Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Well, the game's just wrapped up. Team USA defeating Team Finland at the World Junior Hockey Championship. So it will be Team USA versus Team Sweden tomorrow in the gold medal at the World Junior Hockey Championship. In the bronze medal, it will be Czechia and Finland. Earlier today, Sweden did beat Czechia. 5-2 was the final score. And yeah, the States just beat Finland. 3-2 the final score. Thursday Sports Cage is brought to you by Frost at Real. It's back for 2024 from January 26th to February 4th. You can join in on this citywide winter celebration for complete event listings, tickets, you name it. Visit Real District. .ca. And there's a whole lot of hockey happening. I already mentioned the World Junior Hockey Championship, but more local here in the WHL, some blockbuster deals going down today. Let's get into it, Blaine. Sports Cage shareholders, this is what you need to know. But first, let's kick this thing off by telling you our Saskatchewan Rough Riders have signed receiver slash returner Mario Elford to a one-year contract extension. So very exciting news to kick off 2024. And Elford, we all know what he did last year, returned 88 punts, nearly 1,000 yards, including that 107-yard touchdown return, I believe it was, in Week 16 in total. Elford, he had three punts for touchdowns, tying a Rough Riders single-season record. So Super Mario, back in green and white here in 2024. And yes, I already mentioned the World Junior Hockey Championship in Sweden. Sweden beat Czechia 5-2 the final, and the USA just took down the Finns. So it will be Sweden versus the US of A tomorrow for gold. All right, let's talk about these trades couple huge trades in the dub. Arizona Coyotes prospect Connor Geeky is heading east. Not too far from here, just down highway number one, a bit west. Connor Geeky is a swift current Bronco. Big blockbuster deal with the Wenatchee Wild. As the Wenatchee Wild, they get forward Maddox, McCaggerty, defenseman Josh Fluker, and Sam Ward, and also along with that, four selections in the WHL Prospects draft. The Pats won't see Connor Geeky in the Swift Current Broncos until February 2nd, just in case if you're wondering, a game that will indeed take place right here in Regina at the Brand Center. And the other blockbuster deal today, even closer to home here in Regina, the Moose Jaw Warriors have added 19-year-old Matthew Savoy in exchange, the Warriors sent seven WHL draft picks to the Wenatchee Wild. So the Wenatchee Wild, safe to say they are rebuilding on this Thursday. And 
the draft picks going towards the wild, including first-round selections in 2024 and 2027. The Pats don't play the Warriors again until March 8th in Moose Jaw. And I believe the Pats actually don't welcome the Warriors to the Brandt Center again this regular season. That last time the Warriors play at home here in Regina was the game that took place on New Year's Day. So if you want to see Matthew Savoy and the Moose Jaw Warriors play in person, maybe go check it out March 8th in Moose Jaw. So those are the two big blockbuster deals in the WHL today. And coming up later this hour at 3.50, it's a late addition to the show, but I thought... You know, it's not every day a big deal goes down like this so close to home. We are going to be having the general manager of the Moose Jaw Warriors, Jason Ripplinger, live on the Western Pizza Hotline at about 3.50. I know they have a media availability right now over there in Moose Jaw. So right after he's done that, Jason is uh, kind enough to hop on the Western Pizza Hotline and talk with us and talk with you the sports cage shareholders all right nhl last night austin matthews with the overtime game winner there's riley with the puck gets it to marner in a good spot matthews scores it's a game winner and number 30 for austin matthews and the leafs win back to back in southern california now you heard chris coppert there Austin Matthews' 30th goal of the season. The Maple Leafs, they rallied in Anaheim with that OT win. John Tavares tied it up late in the third period, and then it just took over two minutes in overtime. Matthews snipes it on home, so Toronto now has a few days off and will take on San Jose in the Shark Tank on Hockey Night in Canada coming up here on Saturday night. Also last night, no mercy shown in the nation's capital. Puck still in the offensive end, comes loose, Paula moves it, one can score! Dawson Mercer does it again, off the home assist! Yeah, New Jersey's Dawson Mercer had two goals last night as the Devils took down the Capitals 6-3 the final. Nothing to report for the quote-unquote OV watch. I don't know if it's too early to do that or not, but I'm doing it, I don't care. Not every day you have someone chasing Wayne Gretzky for the most goals ever. Alexander Ovechkin did not have a goal last night to inch closer to the great one. He did have an assist, however. One game in the Professional Women's Hockey League on Wednesday night. For top 10 final. Oh, watch out. Another goal for Minnesota. Moments after Boston's first goal, Grace Sumwinkle gets credit for it. Bar down, and it's 3-1 Minnesota. Bar down, baby. Minnesota with a 3-2 win in Boston, spoiling Boston's home opener. And I saw a few betting lines, and Boston is favored to win the championship this year. I don't know how they come to the conclusion to do that when it's, you know, the first year ever. I guess you just look at the rosters on paper, but Boston is favored to win the championship. So it appears for the time being, at least... That was a big upset for Minnesota to start the season last night. No games in the PWHL tonight. Toronto is in New York tomorrow night. New York beat Toronto 4 to nothing. If you uh, remember back to the season opener on New Year's Day. So yes, hockey, 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 and more hockey. The Pats don't play again until tomorrow night. We will be broadcasting the Sports Cage tomorrow live from the Brandt Center leading up to puck drop. The Regina Pats taking on the Saskatoon Blades. It's a 7 o'clock puck drop. And yeah, Barney will be live on location tomorrow. I will be back in the studio here. And 
It's always exciting in a way when a juggernaut team like this, like this rather, comes into town. Because you have a chance to knock them off. Imagine the excitement that will stir if that is indeed to happen. And by the way, since we're talking about Regina Pats, yesterday we had Ty Gibson on the show, brand new Pats defenseman. He came over in that uh, Everett Silvertips trade. Well, I thought today would be a nice day to give the airwaves to Parker Berg, who was on the other end of that trade. Parker Berg is now uh, Everett Silvertip, and Parker Berg will be joining us in Hour 3 today to, uh, I don't want to say give his final thoughts for Pat's Nation. That seems a bit harsh because, you know, never say never. He, this is not going to be the last time he's on our show. But I, I just feel like I like doing that. When a player gives it his all for an organization for so long, and he was loved by the fans, by his players, by his teammates, by the coaching staff, by the front office. You know, I think it's only right for uh, him to come on our show once again. He's no stranger to our show, Parker Berg. He's been on our show a couple times already this season alone. So Parker Berg will be coming up at about 5.20 today. And Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960, the fan, the Flames. They're in action tonight in Nashville, taking on the Predators, and Pat Steinberg will join us at the bottom of this hour. And since we're on that topic, there's a lot of games happening in the National Hockey League tonight. There was just the two games yesterday. Well, uh, you will you all have a lot to pick from today because Montreal is at home to Buffalo. We got I already mentioned the Calgary Flames in Nashville, Ottawa's in Seattle. The Winnipeg Jets in the Shark Tank meet the San Jose Sharks. That's a late one, though. That's a 9.30 p.m. puck drop tonight. Detroit's in L.A., Vegas at home to Florida. The Islanders in Arizona. The Vancouver Canucks at St. Louis. Tampa Bay at Minnesota. Colorado at Dallas. The Columbus Blue Jackets in Philadelphia. Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks in the Big Apple meeting the Rangers tonight. And Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. In Boston to meet the Bruins. That's a 6 p.m. puck drop. Saskatchewan time. All right. We are going to head to break on the other side. Les Lazarick, the voice of the Saskatoon Blades, will be joining us. And I know Les is going to be joining us live from the concourse tomorrow at the Brand Center. So I won't, you know, take away all the talking points from Barney tomorrow. Maybe we'll uh, take a bit of a different direction with Les Lazarick on the other side of this commercial break. You are listening to the Sports Cage on this Thursday on 620 CKRM. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. All of our guests on the Western Pizza Hotline with generous amount of toppings plus Greek food, ribs, salads, all the goodness you can't make at home. Just give Western Pizza a call today. Joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline, the voice of the Saskatoon Blades. You might not, uh, you might know him as at Blades Voice on Twitter. Very, very popular in the WHL and around the world of hockey here in Canada. Les Lazarick joins us. How you doing today, Les? 
Zinger, I'm okay. How are you? Doing good. How was the Christmas? Uh, Christmas was okay. It, it, it was, it was fine. <laughs> Any nice presents you can report? Uh, I have, we have a dog and I received a t-shirt that says the dog father on it the in the script that looks like from the Godfather movie. So now I'm known as the dog father. So this yes. is the dog father, Les Lazaric. <laughs> what kind of dog do you have? Uh, she's a mixed breed. Uh, she's Parson. Uh, she's a Parsons terrier, uh, mostly, but uh, she's got a little bit of beagle in her, and she's mm. she's pretty quiet and docile right now, which is surprising. Yeah, so it has a bit of hound dog. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, a bit yeah. of hound dog in her. That means that uh, right. her nose will be carrying her all over the place. I used to have a basset hound, and you could not right. eat around him because <laughs> he would snatch whatever you had in your hand. Out of your well, hands. <laughs> we've, we've managed to convince her not to do that, but she's certainly around whenever there's food being made or being eaten. There's no two ways about that. Yeah. So a couple big trades today, last in the WHL. Now, not involving the Saskatoon Blades. Now, I don't want to, you know, give away all the talking points. I know we're going to have you on tomorrow because you're going to be live at the Brand Center tomorrow leading up to the big uh, puck drop between the Blades and uh, the Regina Pats. But Connor Geeky, he's a swift current Bronco. And Matthew Savoy heads over to Moose Jaw. Yeah, and uh, and those were trades that had been rumored and could not be announced until now, now that Team Canada is out of the World Junior Hockey Championships. They made that rule a few years ago. Uh, but, I mean, the rumors were there. All the all the hockey insiders had reported it. It was basically a done deal. The, just the details weren't known as to what was going back. And there's, and it's significant, too, uh, the, the stuff that's been in exchange. Uh, the Wenatchee Wild are looking to uh, recoup draft picks because in the last two seasons, when they were the Winnipeg Ice and were a very good team and trying to win a championship, they gave up a lot of their top draft picks for the next four or five years, hoping to be able to draw in the pieces that would get them that title that they never got, came close, but never got. And so now they're trying to recoup, and they've done a heck of a job of it today. We'll give Bliss Littler, the GM of the Wenatchee Wild, a lot of credit for being able to get now. He has a first-round pick in each of the next four drafts, 24, 25, 26, and 27. He got 24 and 27 from Moose Jaw as part of seven draft picks that they got back from the Warriors for, for Matthew Savoy. And then Swift Current sends first-round picks in 25 and 26 to Wenatchee, along with two other draft picks and three players to uh, Wenatchee in order to acquire Connor Geeky for Swift Current. And a lot of people might go, well, Swift Current's down down in the standings a little bit. What are they doing? Why are they going for it? Well, they've got some decent 2004 NHL-drafted players, and they think they can build around with this trade and, and make a run. So... Um, and the same thing with Moose Jaw. I mean, you've got Ferkus and Jaeger and Matejchuk and and Atlee Calvert and Martin Rice Savvy. I mean, that's a pretty good core to start with. Uh, you add in those guys, or you add in a Matthew Savoy, and you become an elite team right away. And the same thing with Swift Current with Owen Pickering on the back end and Reed Dick in goal and Connor Vitston and Josh Philman up front, who are all NHL draft picks. Add in a Connor Geeky, and you may very well be a team that could contend to win the Western Hockey League title. Yeah, Saskatoon Blades, as we all know, is a team that is contending this year. They're in it to win it. And I saw yesterday uh, the Blades made a couple roster moves, uh, calling up defenseman Isaac Pohl and uh, Jordan Martin. Well, they've done that mostly because they're they have a lack of injuries, and that's mm-hmm. been their biggest issue here of recent, is, is trying to keep a healthy lineup together and having a full lineup. Uh, the last game against Brandon on New Year's Day, 
they were two skaters short, and uh, they had two members of the cage brigade, as I like to call them, uh, affiliate call-up players who wear the full wire cages to cover their face. And it basically is a, shows that they're affiliate players. Uh, so 14 regular skaters and then two affiliate call-ups, and you're still two players short. Um, and the Blades are going to be in a similar situation tomorrow coming into Regina where they're going to be adding Isaac Pohl and they're adding uh, Jordan Martin. And they've also brought in uh, their first draft pick from last year's uh, prospects draft and Zachary Olson up front uh, to help out. Now, the possibility of Alexander Suzla maybe being in the lineup for the Blades, highly unlikely, I think, because he's going to arrive late tonight. But the most recent member of the uh, of the Blades to be acquired uh, from Regina back on New Year's Eve is going to be in Saskatchewan, whether he's in Regina tomorrow or not, and whether he's in uniform or not. Well, that's another question to be answered by people who have a lot more insight than I do. Yeah, this is Les Lazarick on the Western Pizza Hotline, the voice of the Saskatoon Blades. And I saw that uh, the Blades' second-round pick from 2023, their goaltender, Riley Budd, he's looking pretty good uh, this season in net. Yeah, they were, they were excited about his prospects. I mean, the Blades have had a pretty good run of having good goaltending throughout their their history. And you can go all the way back to a very young Norm Maricold, uh prior to the 1992 playoffs. I'm, well, I'm going to be dating some folks maybe, but the old-timers out there who will remember the Blades being in the final against Kamloops and this 17-year-old upstart named Norm Maracle coming on and, and being pretty good. And you think to others, Braden Holtby, uh, Andre Makarov, uh, you know, the Nolan Meyer of recent vintage, the all-time Western Hockey League wins leader. And now you have Austin Elliott in goal. Evan Gardner has been very good as a rookie and actually has better numbers than Elliott in fewer games played. Um, but Riley Budd, it just follows along. And so the progression is there. You have 19-year-old Elliott, 17-year-old Gardner, 15-year-old Bud. You know, next year, we'll see whether Elliott's one of the 20-year-olds on the team or do they move him in order to maybe get some of those draft picks back that they're having to give up this year in order to get the championship team that they hope to have. Talk about Alexander Zuzdalev, uh, Les Lazaric. When can we accept, uh, expect to see him play? Well, like I say, he's, he's arriving late tonight. Mm-hmm. into uh, Saskatoon. Uh, there was a bit of a delay in getting him here, I'm told, but he's here now. He will be here tonight. Um, and then it's a matter of, you know, it's, it's a long travel day for him. Yeah. Is he going to be physically able to turn it around on short rest, likely with the uh, time uh, time change and the jet lag? Is he going to be able to turn it around and play against his former team, the Pats. I, I know that would be a great storyline if he would be able to do that, but I'm not sure it'll happen. Uh, maybe more likely po- the possibility of him suiting up on Saturday when the Blades visit Prince Albert. But, uh, yeah, Suzdalev is on his way, and it's just a matter of time before we see him in a Blades jersey. Yeah, fingers crossed that happens tomorrow night. No, <laughs> that would be something. His first game back in Regina versus his old team, that would be uh, like a storybook right there. Hey, Les, uh, thanks for joining us today, and uh, we'll see you in person tomorrow underneath the Orange Top. Absolutely, Sean. Look forward to seeing you. Awesome. That's Les Lazaric, the voice of the Saskatoon Blades here on the Western Pizza Hotline. That's a 7 p.m. puck drop tomorrow. Pats, Blades, and uh, you can get your tickets right now. ReginaPats.com, the place to go as always. We are going to head to break here. You are listening to the Sports Cage on this Thursday on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM.
We are here and we are about to talk some National Hockey League with Pat Steinberg. He's joining us from Sportsnet 960, the fan. Happy New Year, Pat. Happy New Year, Sean. Good to talk to you, man. Yeah, man. It's been a while since uh, you and I have been able to have a conversation. So how was the New Year? Did you get any good gifts? Did you give away any good gifts? Anything you can tell us? I, I, I think I think I did a good job on, <laughs> on both fronts. Um, I can I can vouch for my front on the the receiving side. So no, it was good. It was it's it's short, man. Like the Flames played on the twenty third. It was a late game, so I wrapped up around uh, one a.m. and then uh, was back at it on the twenty seventh. So quick break, but was good and. Flames have been uh, flames have been playing ever since the twenty seventh. So uh, quick but good, and uh, ready to rock for the second half of the season here. Yeah, we got a big game tonight: the Flames, Nashville Predators. And before we get into that game, I kind of want to talk about the news of the day right now. Uh, Oliver Shillington sent down to the Wranglers today in the American Hockey League. What can you tell us about that situation? So here's the deal. So Oliver Oliver hasn't been playing with the Flames since uh, May of 2022. So it's been more than 18 months since Oliver has has suited up for the Flames. And so what happened was training camp in 2022. So for last season, uh, just before training camp, we found out that he was not going to be joining the team uh, to start the season. He remained in Sweden for uh, all of the 2022-23 season with some things happening in his per- personal life and uh, just some some really messed up demons from the past and, and uh, a few things that had happened. And so uh, there was some real mental health challenges that, that Oliver had then and has been dealing with ever since. And so he had come back to Calgary and was going to give it a try and things were trending really positively for training camp this year. So the fall of 2023. And so he came over uh, back from Sweden and for the first time was in Calgary in September and, you know, showed up, did some team activities just before the start of training camp. But the day of their first on-ice session, uh, he just wasn't ready to go. And so he has remained in Calgary ever since. Uh, the Flames have uh, really handled this in a in a really supportive and empathetic and, and I think just the best way possible with a guy dealing with some really difficult mental health struggles. And so Oliver has remained in Calgary ever since. He's been working with different people and working his way back and working his way past the the uh, the demons and and working his way back to a spot where he feels strong enough. And so yeah, he's uh, been assigned to the Wranglers today, Calgary's American League affiliate that all also plays here in the city, which I think is a big part of it. Uh, he's going to practice the team for a little bit, and then they're going to go from there. Uh, not necessarily expecting him to play right away in any American League games, but he's going to get some practices in, see how he feels, and they've kind of put together a return-to-play um, game plan, return-to-play blueprint that is uh, fluid for sure, but we'll see. I, I, I guess what I would say is, you know the the feel has been since the beginning of the beginning of December and and certainly over the last couple of weeks that you know good feeling that he's got an opportunity to return to NHL action this year the door has at no point been closed and it just feels closer and it's felt closer to him actually being able to get back on the ice doing team things for a while. So, yeah, feeling still good that there's a decent chance he returns to NHL action this year. But team doesn't want to push it, right? They want to be really yeah. – uh, they, they just want to take it slow and 
kind of have this go forward in a no-pressure environment. But definitely uh, this is a, a big, big step for Oliver and, and just awesome to see that he's ready to take this next big, big step. So is that time frame something that us fans know of or is it just something that we're going to have to wait and look out for in the coming weeks and months? Yeah, I don't think they have necessarily a, a set time yeah. frame, right? Like I think I think they, they basically he's got about a week under the CBA to be with the Wranglers on a conditioning stint uh, and then they'll have to reevaluate because he's on LTIR. Um, so the, the, he'll have about a week with the Wranglers. Maybe he plays. I, I wouldn't necessarily uh, say that's an expectation that he's going to play, but maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, and and then reevaluate from there. But I, I, I think you take a look at it. The Flames have got, you know, 40-plus games to go this season. Forty. They got a little bit more than half their season to go. Um, I, I, I think that you've got that time frame is sometime between now and, and mid-April. Mm-hmm. They, they'd like to see if they could figure out a way that he gets back in. But in terms of like a by date X and date Y, they want this and that. No, it's, it's still really low pressure because it's, it's taken a long time for Oliver to get to this point. So they just want to, they just want to let it continue to develop at a more organic and a more natural pace, you know? So I, I don't think that even they have a set time frame on it. They've got some things that they, uh, that they've worked with some of the different professionals and, and working with Oliver. They've got some things that they want to do along the road, but not necessarily by, any specific date yeah sportsnet 960 the fan pat steinberg here on the western pizza hotline and uh jonathan huberdo the monkey is off his back nice way to kick off 2024 and hopefully flames fans can see more of that going forward here pat yeah, they, and I mean, if the Flames are going to want to get to where they want to go this year, and, and we know there's a lot of things hanging over this group in terms of their future, and uh, future of some key players on the roster, which will obviously also affect whether or not they're a playoff team, but whether they trade a bunch of players away or don't, I, I they're, they're just not going to be the team they want to be if Jonathan Huberto is, is scoring at a really, really stale pace. And and so to see him uh, snap a pointless streak on New Year's Eve of 12 games was huge. Had an assist on a big goal for the Flames. And then to see him score the next game, and to score a pretty one, an important one, it ended up being the game winner. Like These are good things. And I think right now what you're looking for with Jonathan is, is baby steps because – it's been it's it's been a nightmare since he joined the team. Last year was the biggest season over season point drop in NHL history. He dropped sixty points from one season to the next and, and so okay, that's that's a that's a tough way to start your time in Calgary. And then it gets even worse this year in year one of his uh, eight-year, $10.5 million annual dollar contract. So it, it, it's baby steps. You're looking for things to, you know, get better here and there. And you're looking to see if maybe by the end of this month, he's producing a little bit closer to what you'd expect him to produce and things like that. So to see him score in consecutive games is good. I don't think anybody's, you know, planning any parades and, and you're not celebrating a guy that has 
really struggled to uh, has really struggled to score at his price point. Like you're not, you, you need more from him, but at the very least, it's a positive. And he's been playing a more dangerous brand of hockey as well. He's been a little bit more of an impactful player the last couple of weeks. So yeah, you're looking for small steps, and definitely the last couple of games have been small steps for Jonathan. Small positive steps for Jonathan. Yeah, and it just hasn't been Jonathan Huberto either. I mean, the whole Flames offense have been kind of struggling this season. I think they're under three goals per game right now, and you got to think that they will have to put the puck in the back of the net tonight because they're going up against a Nashville Predators team that, you know, is no stranger to doing just that. Yeah, well, I mean, this is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough test, first of all. Nashville's been playing some really good hockey. You've got uh, one of the top goaltenders on the planet and UC Soros on the other side, and a Preds team that is holding down the first of the two wildcard spots in the Western Conference. So, again, if the Flames are going to have any chance of, of being a playoff team, like they're not going to get in. They are, realistically, they're not going to be a Pacific Division playoff team. Like Vancouver, Vegas, and Los Angeles seem like they've got those spots pretty much on lock. So if you're the Flames, you're looking at a wildcard spot. So they beat Minnesota, who's in the fight with them on Tuesday. Tonight they've got a team that's directly in a playoff spot that trying to chase in Nashville and so these are the games that you absolutely have to win it's so strange Sean because you know in this market there's you know you take a look at the standings and you, you hype up games and you get ready for games and you talk about where they might be in the standings so on and so forth but there's this very strange cloud hanging over okay yeah but they're probably going to trade Lindholm and they're probably going to trade Hannafin and they're probably going to trade Tanev and they're probably going to trade a couple of other guys too and so you know that that remains hanging over the team so it it, it kind of it, you always have a caveat with every conversation you have but right now inside that locker room that coaching staff that group of players they're trying not to think about that they're trying not to worry about that the only thing they're trying to figure out right now is how to ice the best possible lineup and get as many wins as possible so they're going this team has since i mean you take a look at the last two summers Johnny Gaudreau, Matthew Kachuk one summer, and then the next summer, it's their leading scorer the, the following year in Tyler Toffoli. They've all left the team. One's been, uh, two have been traded, one left in free agency. It's like, goodness gracious, that, that's, that's a big-time hit to your offense. You know, your three leading scorers, your two leading scorers one year, and the following year, your leading scorer from that year, all gone from the team. So that's definitely taken a toll on this team's offense, and they don't really have, with, with Huberto not being that guy right now, they don't really have that guy who is their primary offensive guy. Coleman's having a great year, and Mangiapane's playing better, and you're seeing great stuff from Kadri the last couple of months, but they don't have the guy that you just know is going to go out there and most nights be your offensive leader. Yeah, Pat Steinberg, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Last one for you here, Pat. Kind of led me right into my next point. I wanted to ask you about those unrestricted free agents. What's that vibe, do you think, like for the fan base? Lindholm, Hannafin out there. You know, is it kind of unsettling? Because these fans, they kind of know that more than likely uh, these guys are going to be dealt at least a couple of them, if not one, you know. So what's that like for this team who is trying to make the playoffs, but yet you have this on the side kind of poking you in the ribs, if you will? Well, there's a um, there's a real appetite, and I, I would not say this is universal, but there's a very vocal appetite for change in this market right now. There's a very vocal um, group of fans, 
And I think it's, you know, I think it makes up also a sizable portion. It's not just how vocal they are. I also think there's a large number of fans who want to see this team do something different and go in a different direction. And, and that's something that, you know, they, they haven't done in quite some time, you know, look to the future as opposed to only focusing on right now, look to the future as opposed to doing everything at all costs to get into the playoffs and try to win in the moment. And so there definitely is a large faction of fans who look at this situation now between now and the trade deadline and look at it as a, as an opportunity and look at it with excitement. Like, Hey, the, Mm -hmm. the, Craig Conroy, the new general manager, has an opportunity to really reshape this team and an opportunity that a lot of, you know, new general managers, first-time general managers don't get. Like, you know, he, he was put in a tough spot in a lot of ways with all these UFAs, and, and Brad Living left him with a bit of a mess in a lot of ways. But at the same time, it also presents him with an opportunity to really put a stamp on the franchise right away. And so he's been patient. He's made a couple of moves. He's moved Zadorov. He's moved to Foley. But, you know, these, these are the, and especially Hannafin and Lindholm, with the roles they play, with how coveted they are and will continue to be around the league and with their ages, uh, he's got a really big opportunity to, you know, kickstart a new direction, but maybe make it a new direction that doesn't have to be one that, that takes five to seven years to realize maybe it can happen a little bit quicker with some of the assets and some of the return that you could get for these guys. So I think the feel is it's, it's kind of just right now, Sean, it's like you're just waiting for a shoe to drop. You know, you've got these games to play and right. uh, inside that locker room, they're living in the little picture, but uh, everybody on the outside seems to be just as fascinated with the big picture and when that's going to start to get filled in. So it just kind of feels like, there's another shoe to drop. We know multiple shoes to drop. And it just kind of feels like every day you're waiting for when that's going to be. So it's, it's every conversation we have every day on, on our show, flames talk or other shows, it's all kind of framed with that knowledge that at some point these decisions are going to start to get made. Yeah, we know one thing. The puck will drop in Nashville, Tennessee tonight. The Calgary Flames taking on the Nashville Predators. And we have a whole lot of Calgary Flames fans here in Saskatchewan who will be watching. That's a 7 p.m. puck drop Saskatchewan time. Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet, the Fan 960. Thank you for joining us today. Awesome to talk to you, Sean. Be well, man. Sean Kleisinger and Blaine Wyland sitting in for Michael Ball today, heading to break. You are listening to the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Yeah, we are just awaiting the call from Moose Jaw Warriors general manager, Jason Ripplinger to talk about the big blockbuster deal that went down today. Oh boy, it's an exciting day for Moose Jaw Warrior fans for the present moment here because 19-year-old Matthew Savoy is coming to MJ and Moose Jaw sent over seven WHL draft picks to the Wenatchee Wild including first round selections in both 2024 and 2027. So hopefully we can... uh, catch up with Jason Ripplinger here this segment live on the sports cage and I think we do have him actually live now on the line on the Western Pizza Hotline. Jason, how you doing today? 
I'm good. How are you? Doing doing quite well. Thanks for carving out a couple minutes. I know it's been a busy day with uh, media availability and then uh, now. So uh, thanks for taking a couple minutes. So uh, just talk about this process now. How long has this been in the making? I know maybe you had to wait a bit until Team Canada was out of the tournament, but uh, just take us through the days of events that led up to today acquiring Matthew Savoy. Yeah, no, for sure. It it's, uh, started after uh, after the Christmas break. Uh, we just uh, had some good talks with uh, the Wenatchee general manager, and we just uh, just kind of laid it out what I could give him and what he wanted, and and it, the deal just uh, fell into place, and it all worked out. Now, how difficult is a decision like this when you're trading away? draft capital such as two first round picks because we all know in the WHL the first rounders are uh, you know a hot commodity if you will yeah no for sure obviously um, going into it you, you have a, a plan that uh, when you're giving up these picks moving forward that uh, you got to find a way to um, to get some of these picks back and uh, we believe we have a good plan in, in place for the future so um, you know we'll worry about uh, uh, up to January 10th here and then I'll start uh, worrying about uh, next year so was it always eyes locked on Matthew Savoy, or was there other pieces involved that you were kind of looking at? I asked because Connor Geeky today was traded to the Swift Current Broncos, so the Wenatchee Wild, they are kind of unloading right now and building for the future. Uh, was it kind of either or, or was it a situation where it was just uh, Matthew Savoy was involved in the talk? No, it's more Matthew Savoy. Um, just the way our team is built, we're obviously high-skilled, uh, fast, and we just thought uh, Matthew's a better, um, you know, better, better fit for us. Yeah, just t- uh, talk about that point. How are uh, you seeing uh, Matthew Savoy fitting into your lineup here uh, in 2024? Well, obviously he'll bring a, another scoring threat to our to our lineup as we can as we can score already. But uh, you know he'll help us, and, and you know what? And the playoff experience that he has, we played against him for two years straight, and just the character and grit that he brings in a in a seven game series. Uh, obviously, we noticed that in the last two years. Yeah, so right now, third place in the Eastern Conference, Jason Ripplinger, uh, general manager of the Moose Jaw Warriors, forty four points. So. When fans are sitting back and they see this uh, transaction go across the wire, the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of hockey fans is, okay, this Moose Jaw Warrior team, they're going all in this year. They're, they think they have the team to do it. And uh, just looking on paper now, uh, how excited are you for the playoffs to roll around and you know make a run at this thing? Oh no, we're we're real excited. Uh, obviously, on paper, it's uh, it's a good hockey club, but at the end of the day, the the players and the the coaches, uh, they're the one the coaches have to make sure they're you know buy into the structure and the culture, and and the players at the end of the day, they have to do it on the ice. So I think uh, the team's in a good spot to uh, to make a long run in the playoffs. Is there anything else on your roster right now that you're looking at improving before the deadline rolls around here on January 10th? No, not necessarily. I'll still be looking. I mean, we still have to add uh, the Euro- European defenseman that will be back here in a few weeks. Um, so I'll uh, help our top four. But uh, until the deadline's over, I mean, we'll always be uh, looking around, taking calls and men making calls as well, just to see what's, uh, you know, if we can improve our team in some way or another, we will. Yeah. Uh, in a hypothetical world, I was thinking about this. Say if Team Canada made it to the gold medal game, uh, do you think this trade would still go through because that would leave a shorter window for the trade deadline, or do you think that would factor in at all? No, I think, uh, you know, Bliss and I from Wenatchee had, had agreed on, on on the deal, and uh, yeah. 
uh, no, it wouldn't have been a problem. That's awesome. Jason Ripplinger, Moose Jaw Warriors general manager. The one thing that I know Pats fans are kind of kicking themselves at is we don't see the Moose Jaw Warriors until, I believe, March 8th, and I don't think Moose Jaw comes back to the Brandt Center here in the regular season. But looking forward to that game coming up here on March 8th. That game's in Moose Jaw. And, uh, hey, Jason, thanks for taking a couple minutes today, giving us a few uh, topics, and best of luck the rest of the year. Awesome. Appreciate you having me. That's awesome. Jason Ripplinger. The GM of the Moose Jaw Warriors on the Western Pizza Hotline. Blockbuster trade today in the WHL. And uh, the other one, as mentioned, Connor Geeky going to the Swift Current Broncos. We will see Connor Geeky and the Swift Current Broncos on February 2nd. I believe that is a Friday night, if I'm doing things right in my head. Friday night versus the Swift Current Broncos. So, uh, Blaine, we saw this kind of the rumor go across Twitter yesterday. Uh, the first rumor that we saw was the Connor Geeky one. Were you surprised at all when you saw the Matthew Savoy news today? Uh, no, because I think it was more surprised of what the deal actually was. Mm-hmm. There was rumblings during the World Juniors and that, and you kind of expected the rollout. But uh, uh, no, like I think I was more surprised about how much it took to get Savoy over to Moose Jaw. You know, that's a big deal. But uh, I don't know what you think about those deals in the WHL, those big draft seven picks for you know one player type deal it's difficult to to balance because you look at a lot of teams like right now the regina pats they're on the very opposite end of the spectrum they're building towards the future they're trying to get as much draft capital as possible right now and it just goes to show you there's two ways to go about it and then maybe there's just in the middle there where you're kind of stuck in between where you don't have a very good roster and you don't have the best draft picks but you don't have the worst draft picks and i think the middle part is arguably arguably the worst place to be in it's either you got to be on one end or the other, and the where the the area that the Pats are in right now, I think it proves that there's a lot of optimism going forward in the future here. Because, uh, I mean, look at these trades over the weekend. I mean, the dra- going into the season this year, the Pats they didn't have the best draft capital, but you know we we heard from Pats general manager Alan Miller to kick off the week slowly building that, and now the Moose Jaw Warriors. Kind of like the Saskatoon Blades. I mean, they have rosters right now built to win. And kind of like the Regina Pats had it back in the 2016 season and the Memorial Cup run the year after that. I mean, it's kind of interesting how junior hockey works, how each team has these windows and then they fall off the map and then they have a window. And then you have those other kind of strays, if you will, the teams that are just kind of... Floating in between, it's a it's an interesting aspect of junior hockey. Yeah, and especially you know this year, it, there seems like less powerhouses in the Western Hockey League. Well, last year, yeah. you know there was obviously Winnipeg, Saskatoon, and then there was the teams out west. Especially with Kamloops hosting the Memorial Cup, I think that gets more teams more incentive to get more active in the trade market, like they were last year. But uh, I always find it interesting when we see these trade like. 2027 ain't too bad now. It's hard to believe it's only three years away now. Yeah. That's what I kind of first thought. 2027, I was like, wait, that isn't too far away. But sometimes we see deals like, oh, I think it was the OHL had a trade with like a 2030 pick. Yeah, like last- 10 years from now. Yeah. yeah you, you were talking about the parity in the WHL. And I mean, you look at the standings right now. In the Western Conference, in fifth place, the Everett Silvertips, they have 46 points, I believe. And the first place team is the Prince George Cougars with 54 points. So that's just eight points separating one and five. And then after that, I mean, six to 11 
or six to eight, rather, the, the remaining playoff spots really tight. And same thing goes in the Eastern Conference. Saskatoon Blades at the top, 53 points. And then uh, our Regina Pats, not too far out, just four points out of a playoff spot with uh, 32 points. The PA Raiders have 36 points. So tomorrow night's game at the Brand Center is going to be a tough one, but uh, it's going to be a big one. Uh, this hockey note I want to bring up because uh, the numbers are in since we're throwing numbers around. The numbers are in for the 2024 NHL Winter Classic. Oh, boy, they're not pretty. The game on January 1st, yes, it was this past Monday between the Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights. It was the 15th Winter Classic the NHL has held, and it was the league's 39th outdoor game altogether in its history. And, you know, despite pairing the the Kraken, who came into the game riding that point streak and... On the other side, you had the reigning Stanley Cup champion, the Golden Knights. The league did not see the return that they were awaiting because according to Sports Media Watch, the game, a 3-0 Kraken win, only drew 1.10 million viewers across both TNT and True TV. Now, you kind of think back and... You think, well, the Seattle Kraken, okay, they're playing in Seattle, but wouldn't a lot of people in the state of Washington on Monday be more obligated to either getting prepared to watch a certain other game that was going to be happening later on that night or maybe just it just didn't line up very good (laughs) this year for the Seattle Kraken because this game, it was scheduled a long time ago. Who's to say or who could have predicted that the Washington Huskies would be in the college football semi-final game. It didn't work out for the NHL this year, but that's the way she goes, I guess, sometimes, Blaine. Yeah, I think they got to move away from New Year's Day. There's just too much. Or just move away from the NHL Winter Classic, especially when you're talking about these uh, younger franchises. Yeah. I Nothing classic about it, Blaine, let's be honest. No, no. Hey, those jerseys, though. What do you think about those jerseys? Yeah, the jerseys are fine, but they're what are they trying to relive here? They're trying to make a, a the class- Seattle arenas. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to make. You, a cl- you remember those guys? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just it's mind it's mind boggling to me how the two youngest teams play in a game that's dubbed the classic. Come on. That's goofy. But. I think the classic part of it, Zinger, is the outdoor element. It's yeah. not the teams; it's the game. You well, sell the game, not the teams. No, I think I think you got to I think it's all in one bundle, Blaine. I think it all needs to be in one package. Maybe if they thought of it all in one package, they would have better viewership, huh? Maybe. No, I don't know. Hey, we're going to hit the break here. We have the 4 o'clock news on the way. Arash Badani Coast to Coast is coming up next hour. And right at 4.35 p.m., roughly around there, the play-by-play voice of the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larvey, will be joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline ahead of the Packers' big game on Sunday versus the Chicago Bears at Lambeau Field. You are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Here we go, it's 4.07 inside the Sports Cage. Zinger alongside Blaine Wyland on this Thursday. We will be live at the Brandt Center tomorrow ahead of the Pats and Blades. But we have one more day this week in our nice cozy studio. And the nice thing about it is it's not like plus 1,500 in this studio today. Last night, 
boy, just sweating nonstop. Today it's today it's. I was kind of hot to begin with, but I took off my winter jacket, and then uh, since then, been pretty good. But yesterday, the winter jacket was off. I'm not going to say the tarps were off, but uh, it was really it was really really toasty in Century Studio yesterday during the sports cage and. All the while, we have our thermostat on the wall here. Now, I don't know if it's like a, like a, you know how they always say fathers don't like people touching the the thermostat. That's like a dad type thing, Blaine. You know how that's like the type type of thing that goes around. Well, screw that. We're not living by that mantra anymore. <laughs> There's no fathers in this. You're the only father in this uh, room, Zinger. We, so <laughs> we are the we are the fathers. Of the sports cage for the time being with Michael Ballaway, so we can change the thermostat all we want. Today's show, Thursday's show, brought to you by Frost at Real. Uh, back for 2024 here from January 26th to February 4th. You can join in on the citywide winter celebration for complete event listings or tickets. You can visit them online, realdistrict.ca. And another reminder, February 2nd, that big Brent Kissel concert coming to town here in the Queen City at the Conexus Arts Center. Blaine, what do we need to know? Sports Cage shareholders, this is what you need to know. All right, first up, first up in the bullpen. Our Saskatchewan Roughriders have signed receiver returner Mario Elford today. Very exciting news for Rider Nation. It's a one-year deal. Elford had a huge year last year. I mean, that 107-yard touchdown return, I can just visualize it in my mind. I can't visualize the play because I was producing the game back at the station here, but I can still hear the call from Michael Ball. I can still hear it in my eardrums right now. That was in week 16. In total, Elford, he recorded three punts, four touchdowns, tying a Rough Riders single season record. That news came in right before the sports cage went on the air today. So welcome back to Rider Nation. Mario Elford, World Junior Hockey Championship in Sweden. The semifinals went down today in the host Sweden. Beat Czechia 5-2 the final. And the United States of America, they met Finland and... The USA came away at the win, so tomorrow it will be Sweden versus the USA. And I'll give the U.S. this. Now, growing up as a kid, I think a lot of people out there can share this sentiment with me. There wasn't really a team that you could hate more than the U.S. of A. when it came to ice hockey. That was one team that was just like, whenever they beat the Canadians, it was kind of just like, oh, I, just a sickening feeling in the stomach, Blaine. You had yet another team that comes to mind? I would have said back in the day, Russia. Yeah. Russia was up there, too. They, I mean, they had some good teams. Come well. on, Blaine. I was born in 1992 here. I'm, I'm, yeah, just, I'm you, just going by what I You missed the Red know. Army days. Uh, yeah, I'm just going by what I know, you know? <laughs> you know? 2002 Salt Lake City. Now, Canada won that one, but I just remember being so nervous going into that game as a 10-year-old kid thinking, oh, the, the States can't beat this. I think I was actually crying before the game even started. I was like to my dad, like, what if we lose? What's going to happen to us? <laughs> Canada did not lose. They beat the Americans. With that said, what I was got, what I was getting at here is I really love what the Americans are doing with their uniforms right now. They kind of went back to the traditional miracle on ice type look. I mean, that's the type of look that they should be wearing. Enough with that goofy stuff they were wearing for years there with uh, the dark blue white helmets. 
with uh, the USA logo with like the flag wrapping around it. That was not nearly as good as what they're trotting out there right now. I mean, you agree, right, Blaine? I'm uh, 100%. Yeah. I hated those jerseys. Like, I don't know what kind of weird em- emblems that they had at times. Yeah. I know, like, uh, the Americans had. Yeah, their jerseys have been brutal. No. I don't know. Brutal is the right word, but... Oh, they, yeah, they, they have the, sucked, okay? Yeah. Let's not beat around the bush. <laughs> now they are... I would say the nicest uniforms when it comes to double IHF hockey. I think I would give it to the Americans. I do think Team Canada... Now, this is just Zinger's opinion. I think Team Canada should just take the Maple Leaf logo with the hockey player in it. I think they should archive that one. I think they should move away from that and just bring back some type of Maple Leaf. I really like the way the Team Canada looked at the Spangler Cup. That type of logo, I think that it's it's time for a change. When I think of the hockey player in the middle of the Maple Leaf, for some reason, I think of stories that I don't want to think about when it comes to Hockey Canada and I know that's maybe unfair because there's been a lot of great moments a lot of great games over the history with that logo on the front on the front of the jersey but I just think if there's any time for a change Blaine I mean wouldn't it be now wouldn't have been like a couple years ago yeah you're probably right I don't mind it I wouldn't yeah I I just think it's it's too tacky for me it's too tacky I like those old ones like the ones with the Maple Leafs and the hockey stick and the World Juniors in the early 90s Mm. and the 87 Canada Cup ones oh those are beautiful yeah Yeah, bring those back baby I'm all for those ones hey so yeah tomorrow the gold medal game is the United States of America taking on the host nation Sweden and then before that game the bronze medal game will happen. That's Finland versus Czechia. Couple huge trades in the dub today. Arizona Coyotes prospect Connor Geeky is heading to the Swift Current Broncos. Big blockbuster deal. The Wenatchee Wild. They get forward Maddox McHaggerty, defenseman Josh Fluker, and Sam Ward. And it doesn't stop there. They also get four selections in the WHL Prospects Draft. And the Pats, they're not going to be playing the Swift Current Broncos until February 2nd. At least it's coming up on the calendar relatively soon here. But when you look at the Moose Jaw Warriors, Pats fans won't be able to see Matthew Savoy in the Moose Jaw Warriors at the Brad Center again this regular season. And that leads me into the next trade. The Warriors have added 19-year-old Matthew Savoy in exchange. The Warriors sent seven WHL draft picks to the Wenatchee Wild, including first-round selections in 2024 and in 2027. So it's safe to say the Moose Jaw Warriors, it's make or break time. They're going for it right now, and we will see. Only time will tell if it pays off. But when you trade away seven draft picks... And two first-rounders for one player, taking nothing away from Matthew Savoy. He's a great hockey player, obviously. But uh, the Moose Jaw Warriors, they are in it to win it this year. And that's very exciting, you know, for hockey fans here in Saskatchewan because we have a couple teams here in southern Saskatchewan that are in it to win it. The Saskatoon Blades, don't forget, they're a first-place hockey team. Very good team. And then you got the Moose Jaw Warriors just down the highway there, a little west of here of Regina, Saskatchewan. Hey, NHL last night. We're going to hear the clip in a bit, but Austin Matthews, he had an overtime game winner as the Toronto Maple Leafs came away with a big win over the Anaheim Ducks. 
John Tavares, he tied it up late in the third period, so maybe that goal was even bigger than Austin Matthews' goal, considering that it's three-on-three hockey in overtime. Tavares actually had to work for his goal. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, the Maple Leafs, they have a couple off days now before they drop the puck on Saturday night. Hockey night in Canada in Washington, or not in Washington, sorry, in San Jose versus the San Jose Sharks. I got Washington on my mind because there was no mercy shown in the nation's capital last night. Puck still in the offensive end, comes loose, Paula moves it, one time score! Dawson Mercer does it again! Off the Hala assist! No mercy by New Jersey Devils Dawson Mercer. Two goals as the Devils took down the cap. 6-3 the final. OV watch. Alexander Ovechkin. No goals last night. He did have an assist. And there was one game in the Professional Women's Hockey League on Wednesday night. Top 10 final. Oh! Watch out! Another goal for Minnesota. Moments after Boston's first goal. Grace Sumwinkle gets credit for it. Bar down and it's 3-1 Minnesota. Bar down, you heard it. It literally just kicked off the clip. As soon as the clip rolls, ting! And then, oh, baby! <laughs> That's a, I love that clip. Minnesota with a 3-2 win in Boston. Such a fun league to watch thus far uh, in its first week of existence. And that was a big win last night for Minnesota because going into the season, if you didn't know, the, but Boston was pegged as the favorites to win the championship in the inaugural season of the PWHL. So last last night's win, Minnesota 3-2 over Boston. A big one for Minnesota. No games in the PWHL tonight. Toronto is in New York tomorrow night. Now remember, New York beat Toronto 4-0 in the season opener on New Year's Day. So that's the lone game that will happen tomorrow in the PWHL. For now, though, we are going to head to break on the other side. It's coast-to-coast. With Arash Madani, you are listening to the Sports Cage on this Thursday for Frost at Real. It's back here in 2024 on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Riley with the puck, gets it to Marner in a good spot. Matthew scores! It's a game winner! And number 30 for Austin Matthews and the Leafs. Southern California. Austin Matthews, your sports cage clutch performer today for not wearing that black uniform last night. And our clutch performer every day is for Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. And yes, the Maple Leafs, they were back to their normal threads last night. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny. For smart investing solutions, be smart with your money. Give Brian Gully a call at Smart Investing Solutions, 546 2533. Arash here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Arash, I believe we uh, ended off on Tuesday chatting about Lamar Jackson, if I remember correctly. And we were kind of talking about what are going to be the learning lessons for teams after this Lamar Jackson saga went down in the offseason. Now look how he's doing now. Yeah, I I just think there's so many layers to this. I think if you think back to 
how that all unfolded. I mean, one kind of point of contention, remember how Lamar didn't hire an agent? He was going to represent himself and did represent himself. And how much angst that gave everybody in the NFL universe and that whole ecosystem of, wait a minute, the quote-unquote, this is what you're supposed to do. And the fact that Lamar looked around and saw Deshaun Watson's guaranteed contract and said, wait a minute, if that dude's getting a guaranteed deal, I want to get my cake guaranteed too. And Adam Schefter first, somewhere between floated and reported that there was collusion going on between teams with Lamar. And it's like at some point when you have, I think the biggest, I don't know where you stand on this, when you have a talent, of that magnitude, sometimes the manual you have in terms of how we're going to negotiate contracts, how we're going to go about things, you just throw it away. And you say, no, no, there's rules for some players and then there's rules for other players. And Lamar fits in that other player category where you have to you have to kind of modify the way you go about it. Mm-hmm. You said a word there that's... Uh... That's interesting. You said the word collusion. Now, sure. How often collusion? Do you, how often do you think this happens in sports when it comes to signing players? I think a lot. I think like not just signing players in terms of what you're going to pay players. They're, you know, look. Ultimately, they're trying to keep labor down, and they're going about it as the way they can do it. I mean, are we really led to believe that? Look at all the quarterbacks that are going to start this weekend, Zinger. Mm-hmm. And over the years, the similar ones. And Colin Kaepernick never got a sniff. Guy who led San Francisco to a Super Bowl appearance. You're telling me there wasn't collusion around Colin Kaepernick? It happens. It happens for different reasons. Lamar's was a combination of economics and ego and... Owners saying, wait, we can't have players really driving the narrative. And now, on Monday, there could be as many as six or seven head coaching changes in the NFL. Hmm. Already there have been three. Um, I would love to chat with some of those coaches who are going to be out of jobs on Monday or Tuesday and ask them, what do you think of Lamar Jackson now? Yeah, I I want to ask you about this uh, Talk about, you know, the convoluted value of draft picks versus an established, ready-made star. I I find the draft pick thing amazing because first-round draft picks are viewed as this, like, luxury, high-priced item. It's the fanciest car on the lot that you haven't seen yet. And then the moment you drive it out of the dealership, it loses all value. That kind of feels like what draft picks are. And so, like, if, if Baltimore did the non-exclusive tag on Lamar, so another team would have had to have given up two first-round picks to get Lamar Jackson to come into their organization before they even talk about a contract. You're telling me two first-round picks isn't worth the NFL MVP when he's your franchise quarterback? I, I just I, I think it's I think it's so overvalued and overstated what the value of a first round pick is because we can go through how many different drafts 
from how many different years and how many different teams miss on first-round picks. Um, you know, the beloved Raiders, one of them. Um, so it's um, – I think you have to be really careful when when – thinking about, okay, what's the value and what's the currency of a first-round pick compared to a franchise quarterback who can right away come and change the fortunes of our franchise almost immediately. Mm-hmm. I was kind of laughing because <laughs> I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, of course, and uh, right. I'm just thinking back to when uh, we drafted <laughs> Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle in the first round, and I thought to myself, oh my goodness, what year are we in here? We're drafting defensive tackles in the first round. So yeah, I I feel the pain of the first round pick, there's no doubt, Arash. Every franchise has, at some point along the way, and so it's like, okay, if you know what you're getting, you know, that Wyatt kid played what position? Defensive tackle. So from Georgia. Now, if you could go get a defensive tackle and establish one, Eric Armstead from San Francisco, would you give up two first-rounders for Eric Armstead? Maybe. Most teams wouldn't. But I look at it and I'm like, wait a minute. There's just as good a chance that we miss on this pick, especially if it's later in the first round, than somebody we know exactly what we're getting. Mm -hmm. Something to think about. Yeah. This is Coach to Coach with Arash Badani here on the Western Pizza Hotline. So, since we're talking about, you know, quarterbacks, positions, why missing a first-round quarterback do you think sets up a franchise back so much? Because we've seen it a lot over the years here recently. Yeah, and, and like I was thinking about this through the lens of Lamar, and I was thinking about this through the lens of, you know, where the Jets are with Zach Wilson. And if, and if they had hit on Zach Wilson, they have $40 more million that they wouldn't have to pay Aaron Rodgers or whatever that number is and move forward. Instead, you're continue, you can't rip the Band-Aid off because you have to do the full evaluation of what this guy is, what he can be, because the last thing you want to do is move on from, move on from him too quickly and then he goes somewhere else and becomes a star. You're fully invested in him. And you know what ends up happening, Zinger? You end up like the New York Giants with Daniel Jones. You're so invested in him. You keep him around. You keep him around. He wins your one playoff game against an overrated Minnesota team. Then you end up giving him the bag. And now the Giants are without a quarterback at all. And they're on the hook for the Daniel Jones contract that they love to get out of. So it just continues to be year after year and piles on. And you can't move on because you have to invest at least three years in him. You can't go draft another quarterback for the first three years because you have to make sure that, you know, you don't want to quote-unquote waste a pick or uh, take the confidence away from the guy you already have there. It it becomes such a slippery slope. Yeah, and it makes the San Francisco 49ers situation look a whole lot... uh... I mean, that doesn't happen very often. They drafted Trey Lance, what, second overall? He didn't work out, and then you got Brock Purdy in there just, uh, hey, we they got They hit on a lottery ticket with the last pick in the seventh round. I find the Brock Purdy thing hilarious, Zinger, mm-hmm. because now everybody in the San Francisco organization is almost trying to take credit for him. Right. Like, yeah, well, so-and-so really liked him, and so-and-so identified him, and so-and-so in the draft process really was high on him. Really, guys? 
If that was the case, why didn't you take him in the third round or the fourth round or the fifth round or the sixth round? Yeah, Who cool? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good. Hey, Arash, talking about another game coming up this weekend. Why do you think uh, this Sunday in Miami is the biggest Buffalo Bills game since maybe you know Jim Kelly and Marv Levy were in charge back in the early 1990s? Well, it's just because if the Bills lose, they could be out of the playoffs altogether. Mm. And if that happens, I wonder if this is the end of the road for Sean McDermott. Is, is this whole era? going to come to an end with this coach, this GM, this direction. Who knows what Von Miller's legal and football future is? Tredavious, Dave, Tredavious White, another first-round pick. You know, he had an Achilles or an ACL this year. He's probably out. I, I just think that the Bills, as we know them, whatever Stephon Diggs' future is going to be in the rest, I, I just look at it and I'm like, all right, they don't make the playoffs. It might be wholesale changes across the board in western New York. When you give yourself a chance, well, when you win the division, and, you know, the narrative's altogether different, lose and miss the playoffs, whew. Oh, man. Bill's Mafia will be jumping through fire tables nonstop. I don't know if you saw those videos. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Fans are jumping into fire pits. Imagine what would happen if they don't make the playoffs. Since we're talking playoffs here, Arash, who is the team in the NFL right now that you don't want to run into come playoff time? Well, I look around, and they're still a little under the radar. And I kind of, I guess, understand why. But do you want to play the Los Angeles Rams right now, Zinger? No, no, I don't. No, no. Like, their offense is somehow kind of caught another gear They've won three in a row. They're seven and four in the NFC this year. Their their tickets punched to the playoffs. And when you just kind of look about how their season has gone, you know they they lose to your Packers, and they and they've won six of seven since. And you know to this hot coming into the playoffs. you don't want you don't want to run into that. No, yeah. that's 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 not what you want, especially with them playing this hot right now. And when the Rams lost to the Packers, by the way, at Lambeau, that was when uh, Brett Rippon was in that quarterback. And ever since, right. <laughs> ever since Matthew Stafford's come along, I don't know why I'm laughing at Brett Rippon. He's just not very good, I guess. That's why he's not very well. They lost three of four because they lost Dallas the yeah. week before, the Steelers the week before that. You know. No one thought the Rams, especially because they're youth, they're such a young team, would be this good. Mm-hmm. And now look at where they are and what they're doing. Last one here, Rash. Uh, so this weekend is a very big weekend in the NFC North. We have the Minnesota Vikings in Detroit, and then we have my Green Bay Packers at home to the Chicago Bears. Very simple for the Packers. If the Packers beat the Bears, they are in the playoffs. Yeah. And uh, it's a little more complicated for the Minnesota Vikings, though. They're not getting in. They're not very good. They can't beat anybody. Yeah. The first, the first thing is the Vikes have got to win and get help. They haven't been able to win in forever, Zinger. Yeah. Can I ask so you about can the quarterback? Can I ask you about the quarterback thing last week? Do you think that was the right uh, move by starting Jaron Hall, a guy who had 22 snaps or something in his whole career? I know where you're going with the question. It's just that Nick Mullins is terrible. Nick Mullins' decision making is terrible. <laughs> Nick Mullins is just. But he threw for 400 yards the week prior. You know, maybe you can yeah, deal with a couple picks. Yeah, he's throwing, making terrible decisions and fumbling the ball and just take a sack instead. He's you know throwing a pick and 
<laughs> if you have a quarterback, be grateful. Because if you don't, it's just all dreadful. What do you? I know you don't like the Packers, Arash, but what do you think of Jordan Love? It's amazing, Zinger, to think about where Jordan Love, not even at the start of the season was, even middle of the season. Um, the day Cousins blew his Achilles, what was that, November maybe? Yeah. Um, early November. The growth of Jordan Love since then in the last six, seven weeks has been staggering. Mm-hmm. So what, what scares me is where this kid is headed because if he's had this much growth in the last seven or eight weeks, what's another off season? What's another full season going to mean for him? Yeah. And Jordan Love, he has 30 touchdown passes this season. No Chicago Bears starting quarterback has ever thrown for 30 touchdowns in one season in the history of the yeah, Chicago Bears. I, I still, if I'm the Bears, I don't move off Justin Fields. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a fun weekend in the National Football League and excited I'm going to be chatting with Wayne Larvey, the play-by-play voice of the Green Bay Packers on the other side of uh, this commercial break, Arash. So thanks for your time today, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, Zinger. Thanks, bud. That's Arash Madani, coast-to-coast on the Western Pizza Hotline, brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Give Brian Gully a call at Smart Investing Solutions, 546 546- 2533 heading to break Wayne uh, Wayne Larvey the play-by-play voice of the Green Bay Packers is indeed coming up next you are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM I'm Blaine Wellen inside the Sports Cage studios with your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating where professional service is guaranteed they'll treat you right 781-2090 The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have re-signed returner Mario Alford to a one-year contract extension. Last year, Alford was a Western All-Star with three punt returns for touchdowns. Back in 2022, he was named the most outstanding special teams player of the year in the CFL. He had four returns for touchdowns that season. In the NFL today, just recently, it's expected... Fresh off of clearing waivers that running back Dalvin Cook is set to join the Baltimore Ravens. Cook spent this season with the New York Jets after he was with the Minnesota Vikings to begin the first six years of his career in the NFL as the Ravens have the number one seed. And following this week, they'll have a bye into the divisional round. Western Hockey League trades today. A couple of blockbusters. Matthew Savoy's heading to Moose Jaw. Wenatchee sent the forward to the Warriors in exchange for a boatload of picks, including a first-round pick in 2024, as well as a first-round pick in 2027. There's also a second-round pick in 2026. Six, a few other picks going in that deal as well. And Wenatchee also sent Connor Geeky to the Swift Current Broncos. In return, the Wild are going to get three players and as well a couple of first-round draft picks in 2025 and 2026 and a couple more picks on top of that as well. And that is a look at your sports. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. And 620 CKRM is the voice of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and the Rough Riders have signed receiver slash returner Mario Elford to a one-year contract extension today. Elford, he returned 88 punts for nearly 1,000 yards, including that 107-yard touchdown return back in Week 16. And uh, in total, Elford recorded three punts, four touchdowns, tying a Rough Rider single-season record. We're going to be talking a bit about Mario Elford with... Glenn Suter today and press coverage. That's coming up in hour three.
talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Two receivers stack on the left off that stack. Read in motion to the right. It is second down and 10 for the Green Bay Packers at the 25 of Minnesota. Snap to Love. He looks. He throws the middle. He's got Reed cutting left. Slips the defender. 20. Turns the corner. 15. 10. 5. Yes. Hands up. Touchdown. Yes. Touchdown. Jaden Reed. He is dominant here tonight. The radio voice of the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larvey. Wayne, uh, I was looking at it, and this is your 46th season broadcasting NFL games. You have been the voice of the Packers since 1999. So prior to joining the Packers, uh, you called games with the Chiefs, the Bears. You spent 14 seasons with the Bears, if I did my math correct. And since it's Packers-Bears week, you probably get this question a lot, but what was that transition like from going from Chicago to Green Bay? Well, thank God uh, that social media wasn't then what it is today, because it probably <laughs> wouldn't have happened. But um, no, it was uh, it was an interesting transition, and uh, but one that you know I'd always been a Green Bay Packers fan as a kid growing up back in Western Massachusetts back in the '60s, and I always said to myself, if I ever got a chance to broadcast for a team I followed as a kid. Um, be it the Yankees or the Packers, I would take the job no matter what. I noticed something. I saw the Pro Bowl quarterbacks were revealed yesterday, and I couldn't help but say to myself, Jordan Love, when it comes to his passing touchdowns and his rushing touchdowns, when you add those two together, he has more touchdowns than all those guys on that list, and yet he's not even an alternate for the Pro Bowl. It's a, it's a head-scratcher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know what, the the NFC especially had uh, kind of a logjam at, at the quarterback position this year. Brock Purdy was a given, um, but Matthew Stafford came out and had a tremendous year after injury March season a year ago, um, and he's got the Rams in the playoffs. Um, and then you've got Jared Goff. Uh, the biggest snub might have been Jared Goff, and the NFC only took two quarterbacks. Uh, the AFC, if I'm not mistaken, had three. They got Patrick Mahomes in there. So, you know, hey, listen, um, to be honest with you, the more important team that you want to be on if you're a player in the National Football League is the AP All-Pro team because mm-hmm. that's the team that uh, – that's that's the real team. The, you know, the, the Pro Bowl thing is a lot of voting. It's a lot of fan voting and, and all kinds of other things go into it. Um, and it's not always uh, the best players but the most popular players – that year after year get picked for that, especially when you talk about offensive linemen and, and then defensive linemen in some cases where you can't really, the average fan doesn't really see what they do one way or the other. And Packers GM Brian Gutekunst, he picked himself a fine player in Jaden Reed, didn't he? I mean, second-round pick, and this guy looks like he's a five-, six-year vet already in year one. Yeah, you know, the only thing for Jaden Reed is can he stay healthy mm-hmm. um, because he when he's healthy and on the field, he makes plays. Um, has been banged up a couple of times. He's a, he's a tough kid, but you know what? Um, you know, he is exactly what the Packers needed in the slot. He's played a huge role for them there. And, and you know, is their leading receiver as a rookie, which is, I think, remarkable. Yeah, and he broke Sterling Sharp's rookie record for most receptions in a season a few weeks ago. So, Wayne, this is the first time the Packers have played the Bears since week one. What has changed from there until now in week 18? It's a bit different of a Bears team. They're playing a whole lot better football. Oh, yeah, the Bears, uh, when we saw them week one, they were still putting the pieces together. They had tremendous roster turnover, and rightfully so, off of their previous season where they finished with the worst record in the league. And, you know, opening day, uh, the way teams are prepared and put together, 
a training camp. They don't spend a lot of time on the field in game situations, that kind of thing. I thought the Bears would struggle early in the season, and the Packers got them at just the right time. Um, the Bears went on to lose three more games after the Green Bay debacle, and then um, you know then they started putting things together. The quarterback has come on; he's played really well for them, I think. But more importantly, their defense um, has really hit stride. And when they made that midseason trade to bring Montez Sweat in for a second-round draft choice from the Washington Commanders, that changed it all. Now. Suddenly, the Bears are what they've always been, usually, when they're good. They're usually good defensively, uh, more so than offense. And their defense has been awfully good the second half of the season. And So it's a much different Bears team. The Packers have grown as well, um, you know, especially offensively. And they're much more consistent. The quarterback is really in, more in command of, of the uh, the offense now. And, and I think um, it should be a great ball game late afternoon on Sunday. Yeah, and back to Packers quarterback Jordan Love quickly. I think it's safe to say, Wayne, that the, the Packers have their franchise guy. I think uh, we can end that debate. Is that safe to say? Well, you know what? You never know in quarterbacks. Um, it, it's funny. It, you know, New England thought they had a quarterback in Mac Jones. Uh, the Giants paid a quarterback uh, in their Jones, mm-hmm. and he, you know, they can't wait to get rid of him now. Um, it takes sometimes two or three years before you really know but all the indications are that Jordan Love has done everything possible to um, uh, let the Packers know that he's the guy they can move forward with. Now, is he going to be a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback like Barb and Aaron Rodgers? Probably not. But he's probably going to be a very good quarterback you could win a lot of games with and maybe a Super Bowl with it as well. So um, that's what we're seeing. His numbers in his first year, uh, Rodgers' first year was a 16-game season. If you look at the numbers between Rodgers in uh, 19, uh, 2008 and um, you know Jordan Love this year, Love has better numbers. Um, amazing. Yeah. And, and Rodgers had a much more veteran receiving core around him that year. So what Jordan Love has done with a relatively inexperienced receiving core has been remarkable, I think. And, you know, obviously the Packers, I'm sure, feel he's the guy moving forward. Yeah, and last question here for you, Wayne. Uh, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, it's not often where you know a radio play-by-play voice calls every single play in the career of a starting quarterback, especially one that spans for multiple seasons, like over 10, banking on over 15 seasons. But you did that with with Aaron Rodgers, and you got to see him play and call games back when he was with the California Golden Bears. And I, I know you're good friends with Aaron. How's that transition been for yourself for the first time in a long time, you know, calling a brand-new quarterback? Yeah, it's it's different. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, and, and different expectations, which I think is, uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting. The Packers are in exactly the same position they were in a year ago at this time, win one game, win the last game of the regular season at home against the divisional rival, and you make the playoffs. Um, lose, and Seattle probably goes to the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. uh, But the difference is this. It, the difference is the expectation level. I mean, last year, um, they were kind of disappointed that they had to win that final game to get to the playoffs because that was a team built around Aaron Rodgers' Super Bowl or bust. Um, it didn't work out that way. This year's team, uh, these guys are giddy to be in a position to to win a game and get to the playoffs. I mean, they've exceeded expectations. It's a different momentum and feel, and the quarterback has a lot to do with that. But from a broadcast standpoint, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, the excellence he brought um, that you saw every day, was just, you know, you got spoiled by that. And 
um, you know, I, you, you have to kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Your expectation level has to change a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Rogers makes made some throws that were just unbelievable. Jordan Love's done that on occasion too, but um, you know, it, it, they're just different quarterbacks. And and to put everything that Aaron accomplished on Jordan Love and say you got to do that, I think is totally unfair. And, and Jordan Love's going to be himself, and he's going to be very good. Yeah, and hopefully he is very good here on Sunday. The Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears, 3.25 p.m. kickoff. The Packers win. They are in the playoffs. Wayne Larry, the play-by-play voice of the Green Bay Packers, thank you for taking a couple minutes today and uh, chatting with our listeners up here in Saskatchewan. All the best. Thank you. A pleasure being on with you, and Happy New Year. Yes, you too. Wayne Larvey, the play-by-play voice of the Green Bay Packers here on the Western Pizza Hotline, heading to break. You are listening to the Sports Cage on this Thursday on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Uh, Yes, it's always an honor and a thrill for myself to chat with the voice of the Green Bay Packers. Live here on the Western Pizza Hotline, and hopefully Packer fans out there, you enjoyed it as well. There's a lot of Packer fans in Saskatchewan, as we all know. Big thank you to Wayne Larvey, the play-by-play voice of the Pack. We're going to shift gears now a little bit, but still talk National Football League with our friend Andy McNamara on the Western Pizza Hotline. How are you doing today, Andy? First time in 2024. Uh, happy 2024. I'm doing well. I thought that was uh, was my intro for a sec. I thought I got another job I didn't know about. I'm like, oh, <laughs> all right, I'll take it. Hey. Yeah, I'm a Browns fan, but I'll take it. <laughs> hey, let, let's start with your Browns. It wasn't too long ago, Andy, that I remember this vividly on the sports cage. I can't remember. I think Joe Flacco at the time was, you know, stinking it up with the New York Jets. And I remember, <laughs> I remember one quote from Andy Mack. One quote from Andy Mack was something along the lines of the statue of Joe Flacco, and then we all started laughing about it. Fast forward to 2024. What does Andy McNamara think of the statue of Joe Flacco? Listen, there's there's going to be a statue of Joe Flacco, but it's going to be built and made out of solid gold outside Cleveland Brown Stadium if he keeps going this route. I'll take the statue. What a world. Joe Flacco. My goodness. Off the couch. Hadn't played since last January and just an absolutely lights out performances for the Browns and he's leading them to the playoffs in the top wild card spot. Yeah, that is, uh, listen, I, I could honestly say um, I would not, to quote Clark Griswold from Christmas Vacation, if I woke up with my face sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am with Joe Flacco leading the Browns right now. Oh, I just can't believe it either. I know I know it, it hits you harder because you're a Browns fan. You must be just amazing. Joe it's Flacco wild. slinging the ball around. He looks like He's in his prime with the Baltimore Ravens when they went on that Super Bowl. Yes, and now you bring that up. uh, Joe Flacco is tied with the most road playoff wins in NFL history. Remember during that 2012 Ravens run where uh, I hated Joe Flacco, obviously. He was was with the the Ravens. (laughs) Um, He didn't throw an interception. He had an epic, historic playoff run on that route. Um, His family is saying, like, you know, he's, he's having the most fun he's ever had playing football. Like, it's just, this is all gravy. His sons are Browns fans. His kids are Browns fans because they were were too young to remember when he was winning the Super Bowl with Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a heck of a run. He is going to sit this week um, just to, you know, rest up week 18 type of deal. Uh, but, boy, he's, he's looked as... <laughs> 
I'm just about as good as he ever has. Yeah. How how are you feeling about the playoffs if the season ended right now, Andy? The Browns would be in Jacksonville. I like it. That's the matchup I want. And for that matchup to happen, the Jags have to win this Sunday. Uh, if they lose, it'll be the winner of Saturday's game between the Texans and the Colts in a sneakily competitive AFC South that, again, I don't think too many people saw that coming, that all three of those teams would be over 500. Yeah. Um, I'll take the Jags, though. Trevor Lawrence banged up. He had the ankle, and now it's the shoulder. He had concussion. Browns put the boots to them uh, last time when uh, when he played. So I'll take my chances in Jacksonville. And we, we know there are some daunting fan bases like the Green Bay Packers. You go to Lambeau, you don't want that. You can go to Jacksonville, fine. That's why they go to London so often. It's a very soft fan base. Yeah, no. <laughs> Jacksonville is at home versus uh, Tennessee this weekend, so that's uh, the one to look for. So, Andy, looking at the batting lines, looking at fantasy, what do you have for us this week? I want to win a dollar or two. Oh, boy, this is one of the toughest weeks to bet on yep. when it comes to football because there's so many players sitting, potentially, right? Yeah. So, it's a case where you're looking, it's like, okay, do I take an underdog against, let's say, a team that is going to be resting players? So, for example, um, the lines are weird. Uh, Lamar Jackson is sitting, so the Steelers are three-and-a-half-point favorites, where if you reverse it and put Lamar Jackson in, but Ravens would probably be a seven-point favorite. So you look at weird little things like that. It's at home. Um, so I'm going to look for some competitive games. Okay, let's look at that that Jacksonville Titans game. Rumor has this could be the last game for Mike Vrabel. And boy, he plays his team hard. They go on it. They're three-and-a-half-point dogs. I think there's some money to be made, even though I want the Jags to win. So I hope I'm wrong. I think the money line on the Titans at plus 164 with Tannehill in there, who we know can be, you know, it doesn't really matter who they have at quarterback. That team is well-coached. Um, plus 164 on the home Titans, I think, is a nice little bet. Yeah, and do you think maybe if there was a week to kind of lean towards the same game parlays, this would be it just because, you know, who knows what the outcomes of some mm. of these games will be? Yeah, yeah, you know what? You could keep it simple and say, okay, three and a half Titans to cover the spread and to win, uh, plus 164 right there, so you can do a little a little double up there. That wouldn't be bad. Um, Score-wise, over under 41, it's in Tennessee. That's that's a tricky one. I think if you have Trevor Lawrence not 100%, the under might be okay. You know, it's minus one away. I probably wouldn't, but if you want to, you know, triple up on that game, then keep it simple. Uh, the spread covering it for the Titans, the money line for the Titans, and then the under 41. Mm-hmm. And there's a big game happening in the NFC North this weekend. Well, there's a couple big games. You got the Lions at home to the Vikings, but mm-hmm. the, the Green Bay Packers, they're in a situation where if they win, they're in. They're at home to the Bears. When you look at that game, is there some money to be won in that one against uh, Justin Fields and the bunch? Yeah, isn't that interesting? What a, what a, a season for the Packers. Look good off the start, then fell apart, then came back. And now you have the Bears who are eliminated, but division rival, you have a chance to eliminate a division rival. Uh, you're 7-9, and nine, and... It's a case where you're looking at it. There's some jobs on the line for Chicago. Like this is, I think this team's going to be coached up real hard. Um, Maybe Justin Fields' job on the line. You know, he could, could be playing be. for it. And if nothing else, maybe a showcase for him to go somewhere else too, mm-hmm. right? Which might not be the worst thing for him. Um, that's an interesting game. I really like how Jordan Love has been playing. You want to talk about this for a fantasy football kind of look back? Who would have thought Jordan Love? Depending where, what type of point system you're in, um, Jordan Love is 
fifth or sixth on the fantasy QB rankings this year. Fifth or sixth, Holy which is wild. Yeah. It's 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 quite a, a climb, and I think it's look. He's not Favre. He's not Rogers. But is he good enough if you build around to do something uh, to get to the playoffs with going for it? I think so. Uh, when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, so yeah, you look at that game. Uh, Packers just three point favorites. So that tells you something right there. Over under at forty five. Um, I'm going to take the under at Lambeau. And that's, yeah, I, I'm not fancying the money line. I think the pack does win, but the Bears could, they can they can beat you up a little bit. That Montez sweat is no joke in Chicago, I'll tell you that. Yeah, 3.25 p.m. kickoff on Sunday. Andy, plug your stuff. Where can we hear more Andy McNamara when it comes to the National Football League? Oh, man, well, get me every Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern, unless the Browns are playing in the playoffs on a Saturday, then switch that. Uh, on, on YouTube, the Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara. We talk fantasy football. We run through all the bets of the week, especially for the playoffs. We'll dive deep into there. And uh, then on Tuesdays as well, the Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara on YouTube and Twitter at SickPodBrowns and at AndyMC81. Awesome, Andy. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the games coming up here this yes. weekend. All right, you too. Talk to you, Zinger. Bye-bye. That's Andy McNamara on the Western Pizza Hotline. As we hit the break, the 5 o'clock news on the other side. You are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Here we go. It's a, starting to get a little more dark outside. Looking outside here, corner of 12th and Rose in the Century Studio at Harvard Media, downtown Regina. It's uh, about that time of year. No, I no, I believe the days are actually getting a bit longer, right, Blaine? Yeah, the, the days are getting longer. I think it was in, like, January there. Or no, not January. It was in December. December 21st. Yeah. So it was like at the beginning of December where it was just like pitch dark at like four o'clock. It felt like it was just scary. It was very scary to be on the corner of 12th and Rose downtown Regina at that time frame. No, it wasn't scary. That's okay. Today's show is for Frost at Real. It's back for 2024 from January 26th to February 4th. You can join in on the citywide winter celebration for complete event listings or tickets. You can visit us at Real District. .ca. The last time that I was on the skating rink at the uh, Real at Mosaic Stadium was the very first year of of the festival. And I kid you not, right after the event, I was on my way home, got in a car accident. The only thing... <laughs> now, it was just like a bit of a fender bender type thing. So I have to shake the cobwebs of that. Because whenever I think of the festival, I think of that. And I just, I don't want it to be that way. So this year, I'm going to dive, not head first into it, but I am going to get involved with the festival this year. I can't wait for it. It's at the end of January. And there's also more exciting stuff happening in the Queen City this weekend. I was looking at it, and I believe my wife and I and my child are going to be taking this in the wildlife Festival is coming to town coming up this weekend. I'm just pulling up the details so I got it right. Yeah, the Wildlife Wildlife Festival is at the Real District. It's from January 5th to the 7th in the Sask Milk Exhibit Hall B at the Viterra International Trade Center. 
And I was reading the description to my wife, and I said, so you could pet a sloth, hug a boa constrictor, and she cut me off right after I said pet a sloth, and she was like, how much are the tickets? And I was like, well, let me see here. Let me see what I can do. And uh, she was putting Casper to bed, and I was feeling a bit sneaky, so I went online, looked at the tickets, and I scooped a couple up. So that's what... My Saturday is going to be looking like here in the Queen City, and maybe that's the way that your Saturday will look as well, because the Regina Wild, uh, wild how come I can't say that word, uh, word today? I'm struggling with the W's. Wildlife Festival, Blaine, it's coming on on the weekend. Do you know what it is? I'm I'm hungry. I think that's what it is. Haven't eaten anything all day long, and you don't want to do that when you're going live on the air for three straight hours, I'll tell you that what. So, with that said, Blaine, what do we need to know? Sports Cage shareholders, this is what you need to know. Outside of Zinger having a grumbly tummy, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have signed receiver returner Mario Elford to a one-year contract extension. Elford returned 88 punts for 978 yards, including that 107-yard touchdown return in Week 16. So in, in total, Elford recorded three punts, four TDs, tying a Rough Riders single-season record this past year. And can't wait to have Glenn Suter on at the bottom of the, uh, bottom of the hour because I know that Glenn loves Mario Elford and for good reason because this guy is a game changer. And he's back in Ryderville here for the 2024 season. World Junior Hockey Championship in Sweden. The semifinals going down today and the host Sweden beat Czechia 5-2 the final and the United States of America met Finland in the other semi. The States came away with a win. So the table is set tomorrow, the gold medal game, USA versus Sweden. And then right before that, the bronze medal game, Czechia will meet Finland and still can't get over. No can- no Canada even in the bronze. Oh. Hey, a couple huge trades in the dub today, the WHL. The news of the day, you could argue locally here around the Queen City, outside of Mario Elford, maybe. Arizona Coyotes prospect Connor Geeky. He's heading east to join the Swift Current Broncos in a big blockbuster deal. The Wenatchee Wild, they are taking a step back and looking forward to the future here. They shipped away forward Maddox McCaggerty, defenseman Josh Fluker, Sam Ward, four selections in the WHL prospects draft, and... That's not the only one that went down today. The Moose Jaw Warriors have added 19-year-old Matthew Savoy. In exchange, the Warriors, they quite literally sent a boatload or a plane load full of draft picks. Seven altogether. Seven WHL draft picks to the Wenatchee Wild, including first-round selections in 2024 and 2027. So if you're thinking, I wonder when the Pats play these two teams. The Pats, they play... The Swift Current Broncos coming up on February 2nd. That's a Friday night game at the Brandt Center. The Pats don't play the Warriors until March 8th, and that game is in Moose Jaw. NHL last night, Austin Matthews had an overtime game winner, and uh, that was Matthews' 30th goal of the season over the Anaheim Ducks last night. So Toronto has a couple off days now. They will take on the San Jose Sharks on Saturday night in the Shark Tank. And New Jersey took down the Washington Capitals last night. 6-3 to was the final score. 
And those were the only two games in the National Hockey League last night. And it's time to look forward to all the games happening on this Thursday night. And when I say all the games, it's a busy night in the National Hockey League tonight. Pittsburgh is in Boston. Montreal is at home to Buffalo. Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks in the Big Apple taking on the New York Rangers. Columbus is in Philadelphia. The Colorado Avalanche in the Lone Star State to meet the Dallas Stars. Tampa Bay is in Minnesota. Blaine Wyland's Calgary Flames in the Music City, USA, taking on the Nashville Predators. The Vancouver Canucks in St. Louis. The New York Island in the desert meeting the Coyotes, the Senators in the Pacific Northwest to meet up with the Seattle Kraken, the Florida Panthers in Sin City, USA to meet the Vegas Golden Knights and the Red Wings in LA and the Winnipeg Jets round out the order in San Jose. So that uh, Winnipeg-San Jose game starts at 9.30 p.m. tonight. So if you're a Winnipeg Jet fan and you have to wake up at, say, I don't know, 6 or 7 a.m., tomorrow and if you stay up to watch that game you are indeed considered a true Winnipeg Jets fan because that is some legit fandom right there hey one game in the professional women's hockey league last night it was Minnesota with a 3-2 win in Boston and that was Boston's home opener and the betting lines before the season are predicting or we're predicting Boston to win the championship. So that was a big win last night for Minnesota, 3-2. There's no games in the PWHL on this Thursday night. There's one game tomorrow night, and that is Toronto and New York City. New York beat Toronto 4-0. If you think back to Monday, it was the inaugural game of the PWHL on New Year's Day. Toronto beat New York. So that is what you need to know in the world of hockey, and you need to know this as well. Tomorrow, Barney will be live on the concourse at the Brandt Center. The sports cage will be live at the Brandt Center prior to the big game tomorrow night as the Saskatoon Blades are in town to take on your Pats. And we will be on the air tomorrow, the usual time, 3 to 6 p.m. And then the pregame show tomorrow with Dante DiCaria on the air shortly after 6.30. And then puck drop between the Blades and the Pats right here on 620 CKRM. Right at 7 o'clock, and I saw this go across the old wire as well. It's now official. The Atlanta Braves, talking baseball here, have signed Chris Sale to a two-year, $38 million contract extension. And you wrestling fans out there, you have a chance to take a direct flight out to Toronto, Ontario in July for Money in the Bank. WWE is coming to Toronto, Ontario for that big pay-per-view. And uh, yeah, that's exciting. Usually you have to connect like six times to get to a WWE pay-per-view, but not this time around. If you want to go to it in July, maybe you can line it up at a or you can line it up with the Toronto Blue Jays schedule. I haven't really looked at the Toronto Blue Jays schedule. I'm not going to lie. I haven't lined it up with when Money in the Bank is. But that's possibly something that a lot of people here in southern Saskatchewan might be doing. WWE fans, Blue Jay fans come July. I like it. WWE. Big pay-per-view coming to our country. Hey, we are going to take a break here. On the other side of the break, we are going to chat with Parker Berg. He was involved in that trade with the Everett Silvertips. Ty Gibson came to Regina. We had Ty Ty Gibson on the show yesterday, and now today we're going to have the other uh, part of that deal, Parker Berg. And that's on the other side. You are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 
You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And we are your radio home as well for the Regina Pats. And we are now joined on the Western Pizza Hotline by now former Regina Pat defenseman Parker Berg. Parker, thanks for taking a couple minutes here to uh, chat with Pats fans. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, Parker, so uh, just take us through the last couple weeks or the last few days here. I know it's probably been tough for yourself, you know, being uh, traded all the way to the West Coast, leaving a team that I'm sure you loved. A lot of teammates are your friends. So just take us through the, the head of emotions the last couple of days have brought. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been crazy, obviously, finding out about the trade and then having to say goodbye to lots of guys that I've pretty much grown with throughout my career in Regina, so... It was, it was difficult from that portion. And then obviously taking a plane out that same day and playing the next day here, it was a big turnaround. And yeah, just tried to get accustomed to everything quickly. So how has that gone for you so far as far as getting accustomed to the to the locker room, to your surroundings, to uh, you know where you're living? Uh, there's a lot to go into. It's not just like a simple move and then that's it. There's a lot of moving parts to it. Yeah, it's been, obviously it's been a little bit different and difficult because of how long I spent in Regina, but... I think it's been it's been a good experience out here so far, just getting to know some of the, the guys I'll be playing with and some of the new coaches and different systems and stuff like that. So I'm excited. Yeah, looking back, I mean, you were with the Pats. You played, uh, I want to say, two games with the Pats in the 2019-2020 season. And then after that, 2020-21, you played in 23 games and then 54-68 and then uh, 36 games this year with the Pats. That's a lot of time in one hockey uniform. So I guess, uh, have you had time to kind of sit back and reflect on on your favorite memories? What comes to mind the most when you think back on your career with the Regina Pats, Parker Burke? I think it's just been lots of the times I've had with lots of the players on the team and just the experiences that I've had growing with them and going obviously going through struggles, going through ups and downs and just Overall, just the daily stuff that you kind of don't take advantage of in the time, but you realize that it was a big moment for you later on. Yeah. Uh, take us through the day that the trade uh, went down. I mean, uh, what was the conversation like? If I mean, we shouldn't be privileged to uh, like ask that, but if you want to share anything about how that went down on the day and uh, just uh, saying bye to your teammates and stuff, just take us inside uh, You know, the emotion level as far as that day went. Yeah, I mean, I was I was letting know that uh, a trade had happened, and it was one of those where uh, they're trying to build for the future and have the picks to do that. And obviously, it's it's something that worked both ways for both teams. And obviously, me getting a chance to go somewhere else—that's you know a little bit of a higher spot at the moment. It was it was something that they felt was right, and it's as much as it can be difficult. I I think it's it's something that should work out great. Yeah, and let's talk about that part of it. You're with, uh, you're with a team now, the Everett Silvertips, who right now are in a playoff spot, doing pretty good, 46 points in the fifth seed in the Western Conference. That must be exciting for you. I mean, before you were kind of on the outside looking in, not knowing whether or not that you were going to be playing in the postseason. More than likely, you're going to be playing in the postseason now, making a run at this thing. Yeah, it's exciting, obviously, getting to play for a team that's obviously in a pretty good spot right now and just being able to have the confidence to come in and try to help them out as much as I can and push them into a higher spot here. 
Yeah, and the other thing about this too, you're moving from Canada to the states, so that's a you know a little bit different of a thing. You got the currency converter, I'm sure, on your phone now. You got all that moving. So, uh, what what comes to mind when you're thinking, hey, I'm living in the United States of America now? Maybe you can go check out a couple different restaurants that aren't up in here. I don't know, Buffalo Wild yeah. Wings or something like that. Free plug. Yeah, exactly. It's it's something that's a little different for me. And- I haven't had this sort of experience yet. So coming up here, it's definitely weird kind of just driving around and you see all these different places, different gas stations, different restaurants and stuff. So I'm definitely going to have to try out some new places and get accustomed out here. Yeah. And what's the landscape look like? I've never been to uh, Everett, Washington. I've been to the state of Washington, but never been to Everett. What's, uh, you know, is it a lot of trees? How different is it compared to Regina, Saskatchewan and Southern Saskatchewan as a whole? It's definitely pretty different. I mean, you have the the plains of Saskatchewan, lots of it's pretty pretty straight going and not a lot going on. But here you kind of got the mountains to one side and then you get the um, ocean to the other. So it's definitely a different, different uh, something different to look at and it's pretty cool. And last one, Parker Berg, uh, anything that you would like to say for Pats fans right now listening? Yeah, just thanks for all the opportunity you gave me and just supporting me and the team as everything went through and one of the best places I've ever played hockey. So yeah, happy to be back. And hey, man, you will always be a Regina Pat. You will always be a member of the red, white, and blue because there's going to be a lot of years that go by after your hockey career in the WHL. And that's one thing that will never leave you. And you're always welcome back home here in Regina. So uh, thank you for everything that you did with the Regina Pats and looking forward to seeing you play with the Everett Silvertips coming up here. And hopefully you guys can make a playoff run. Yeah, thank you. Really appreciate it. That's Parker Berg on the Western Pizza Hotline now. Defenseman. With the Everett Silver Tips, says we are going to hit the break here and press coverage with Glenn Suter still on the way. We are in hour three of the Sports Cage on this Thursday for Frost at Real on 620 CKRM. I'm Blaine Wallen inside the Sports Cage studios with your sports ticker for Busy Bee overhead doors. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. And speaking of specialists, the special punt returner, kick returner for the Saskatchewan Roughriders will be back again. Of course, we're talking about Mario Alford. He signed a one-year contract extension with the Green and White today. Alford was named a Western All-Star last year. He returned three punts for returns in 2023. Back in 2022, he was named the most outstanding special teams player of the year in the CFL. He completed the trifecta that year. He returned a missed field goal, a punt, and a kickoff return that season as well. He had a total of four return touchdowns for the Roughriders in his first season in Saskatchewan. At the World Juniors in Sweden, we know the gold medal final tomorrow will be Sweden and the Americans after their semifinal victories today. Sweden defeated Czechia by a score of 5-2, to two, while the Americans, they were down 2-0 to Finland, but they came storming back and they complete the comeback in the third period, taking that game by a score of 3-2. So once again, it'll be Sweden and the Americans in the gold medal game as well. Germany avoided relegation today. They defeated Norway by a score of 5-4, to so Norway is out. They won't be at the World Juniors next year. Pakistan will replace them next year in Ottawa. NHL tonight, busy night 
on the schedule with 13 games, including five Canadian teams in action as well. A few games that are going to get started at the top of the hour tonight. It's Pittsburgh and Boston. Montreal hosts Buffalo. Connor Bedard is in the Big Apple and MSG against the Rangers. And the Columbus Blue Jackets will take on the Philadelphia Flyers. And that is a look at your sports ticker. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of bounds. It's time for press coverage as former Ryder Greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Ryder Nation. And press coverage for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline now is Glenn Suter. And the big news of the day here in Ryderville, Glenn, is Mario Elford is back in the green and white. I know a lot of Ryder fans are very excited today and for good reason. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I I think they were listening to us talk on Tuesday on the sports cage and they were... They were saying, you know, if it really is one of the favorites of so many people and so many fans, the return game and the great returners that we have in the league, then maybe we should make this announcement right away and get him signed up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just, t- just talk about that. How big, you know, having a return specialist like that in the Canadian Football League is because a lot of people throw around the term game changers, but it's quite literally just that. Well, yeah, first of all, it's, outstanding for the entertainment value of the game and and it's outstanding for the fan that on any given punt no matter where you are on the field uh, we have because of the rules the size of the field the no yards rule which is not a favor for a lot of fans but it 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 eliminates the uh you know waving your arm and letting the ball die and then having you know six linebacker size cover guys go and touch the ball down like in the other league, you know, and, and which, which I believe to be one of the silliest rules in all of sports, to be honest with you, the, the touching down of a punt by a cover, cover group. Um, But no, it's, it's huge for field position. I mean, we, we always talked about, the big returns, the ones that get you out of your seat, the, the missed field goal that goes 110 for a touchdown. But I'm talking also about the, you know, when when you're in these close games and, and so many games were decided in the last three minutes, when you're in those close games and let's say you've just given up the lead with a minute 10 to go and your returner, Mario Alford, takes it back to midfield and you only need a field goal to win, I mean, you're, you're talking about uh, that's those are things that I, I think are kind of missed when it comes to the rules that allow for these these undersized, tremendous athletes with fantastic speed to showcase their skill set, but provide that field position that allows for the big finishes. I mean, there can be literally 15 seconds left. You're down by two. Ball's kicked off. Doesn't start till Alfred gets it in his hands. He takes it. You know, 25, 30 yards in, in 10 seconds, goes out of bounds with three seconds to go. And you can kick, you can kick a game winning field goal. So I, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's much bigger. And, and I, and I laugh, Sean, at times when I hear people say, well, I, I don't like the no yards rule and I don't like the missed field goal rule. And I don't like that there's so much punting in the CFL. Well, 
all of that is leading to the excitement of one third of our game. It, it leads to such great entertainment that you don't see in other leagues that you will see any given day during the regular season in the CFL. And they happen like almost every week. We see either one for a touchdown or a returner that gets big chunks in three or four returns. How about the play? Uh, Terry Williams just like he just signed a new contract in yep. BC too, and that big play he made with no time on the clock and takes it back in overtime. I mean, it it's like a missed field goal on a long attempt, and he takes it the distance. So all of those little rules that are in in some ways annoying to people, if you look at it from a broader perspective, you will see that they are necessary to open up opportunities for these young, great athletes. Yeah, and I've always said this too, when you're sitting at a football game as like a fan or maybe even a broadcaster, and you could speak to this too, Glenn, but there's no other time where a stadium is louder than a huge special teams play, like a missed field goal return for a touchdown or like a punt return for a touchdown. Like those moments, stadiums are the loudest in those moments. I mean, yes, you could say big run, like a thirty-yard run or whatever, but just it's just so sudden the the sound the you know the roar of the yeah. crowd because it's just so spontaneous it's so instant and uh, you know that's my favorite thing about the return game because to me when I think at my time going to games over the years at football games some of the my most favorite moments that I think of when I'm at those games are special teams plays because that's when the crowd gets into it the most. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do agree, and and it, there's there's also that sudden change feeling, like yeah. like for instance the missed field goal, which which has been debated, you know, to death over the last twenty years, but the missed field goal opens up the opportunity. The the goalpost at the front of the end zone, not the back, opens up the opportunity for these great returners. So here you are as a fan, looking at your team that has just given up a long drive. The the opponent is on the 20-yard line going in, but your defense holds there for a field goal attempt. The attempt is missed, and the returner takes it the other way. I mean, you're looking at, as a fan, looking at a game going, oh, we're going to go down by three here. This should be a makeable field goal from 40 yards or something. The kicker misses, and the returner takes it 120, and now you're up by five. Like, it, it is just a... It is such a momentum shift, such a get out of your seat moment for fans. It's it's like this 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 roller coaster of emotion where we were going down, we're gonna go down by at least another three because of that catch over the middle. They're in field goal range, we're going down by three, we're gonna be down by eight. Bam, he takes it yeah. back. It's like a you, shot you know, of adrenaline. It's a tie game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. I, I you know, I, I'm and and I'm also impressed and, and credit needs to go to a lot of these scouts that they know the rules, they know the game, they know how different it is. And a lot of these guys like Mario Alford get overlooked in the NFL and because of their size. And they are so well suited for our game, not just on returns, but can also be converted like guys like Pinball yeah. to offense. 
Yeah, hey, I remember back in 2005, I think it was the the home opener for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at the old Taylor Field. It was a game that was delayed for like, it seemed like forever. I was a 13-year-old kid at the time waiting to go into the stadium, but there was a lot of lightning and a lot of rain happening, and we waited forever for this night game to start, and finally it did start. It was the Riders versus the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and on the opening kickoff, Corey Holmes absolutely housed that thing. He took it to the house, and I don't think I heard Taylor <laughs> field ever that loud before and maybe you did that game Glenn maybe you called that game maybe you remember what I'm talking about but that memory that vivid memory of uh, Corey Holmes just breaking through that seam down the right sidelines from my perspective where I was sitting section 27 on the sunny side of the field there it was a memory I'll never forget well, I like I like the number of your section. Yeah, I, awesome. I know. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Season tickets, baby. Season tickets. <laughs> Twenty-seven. I love it. No, I, I, you know, it's funny because Corey Holmes was another great example, right, yeah. of a guy that you know nobody knew about. He comes up and just excels in our game, and not just on offense, but or sorry, in the special teams, but also on offense. So, yeah, I, I I remember that. I remember so many of the big returns. I mean, I played when I had to chase down Gizmo Williams. Oh, and boy. <laughs> there was no better than that. Um, you know, and even, even when we thought we had the ideal plans and we had decent coverage, he only needed a hair of, of a, like a sliver yeah. of, of daylight, and he was gone, and you just couldn't catch him from behind. Forget it. It wasn't happening. So, there's so many good ones, so many we've had every year. And you know what? There'll be a new name in 24 that no one knows about that comes up from maybe a Div, a Div 2 or Div 3 school that was undersized but can run like the wind, and he's fearless, and that's what you need to be on a, as a punt returner. And this is a huge signing for Saskatchewan to get Alfred locked up. Yeah, the news of the day here in Ryderville and – our opinion, we're biased here in Ryderville, but uh, it's the news of the day here in the Canadian Football League. Mario Elford back with the green and white here for 2024. We'll just keep you for one segment today, Glenn. Let you go on with your Thursday, and we'll talk to you again on Tuesday. Have yourself a good weekend. That sounds good, Sean. Have a good weekend. Take care. Yeah, you too. That's Glenn Suter on the Western Pizza Hotline. Press coverage for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. Wrapping up the show next with Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960, the fan in Calgary, as the Calgary Flames getting set to take on the Nashville Predators tonight. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Frost at Real. On 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. We are here and we are about to talk some National Hockey League with Pat Steinberg. He's joining us from Sportsnet 960, the fan. Happy New Year, Pat. Happy New Year, Sean. Good to talk to you, man. Yeah, man. It's been a while since uh, you and I have been able to have a conversation. So how was the new year? Did you get any good gifts? Did you give away any good gifts? Anything you can tell us? I, I, I think I think I did a good job on, <laughs> on both fronts. Um, I can I can vouch for my front on the, the receiving side. So no, it was good. It was it's it's short man. Like the Flames played on the twenty third. It was a late game, so I wrapped up around uh one AM and then uh was back at it on the twenty seventh. So quick break but was good and 
Flames have been uh, Flames have been playing ever since the 27th. So uh, quick but good and uh, ready to rock for the second half of the season here. Yeah, we got a big game tonight. The Flames, Nashville Predators. And before we get into that game, I kind of want to talk about the news of the day right now. Uh, Oliver Shillington sent down to the Wranglers today in the American Hockey League. What can you tell us about that situation? So here's the deal. So Oliver Oliver hasn't been playing with the Flames since uh, May of 2022. So it's been more than 18 months since Oliver has has suited up for the Flames. And so what happened was training camp in 2022. So for last season, uh, just before training camp, we found out that he was not going to be joining the team uh, to start the season. He remained in Sweden for uh, all of the 2022-23 season with some things happening in his per- personal life and uh, just some some really messed up demons from the past and and uh, a few things that had happened and so uh, there was some real mental health challenges that that Oliver had then and has been dealing with ever since and so he had come back to Calgary and was going to give it a try and things were trending really positively for training camp this year so the fall of 2023 and so he came over uh, back from Sweden and for the first time was in Calgary in September and you know showed up did some team activities just before the start of training camp but the day of their first on-ice session, uh, he just wasn't ready to go. And so he has remained in Calgary ever since. Uh, the Flames have uh, really handled this in a in a really supportive and empathetic and, and I think just the best way possible with a guy dealing with some really difficult mental health struggles. And so Oliver has remained in Calgary ever since. He's been working with different people and working his way back and working his way past the the uh, the demons and and working his way back to a spot where he feels strong enough. And so yeah, he's uh, been assigned to the Wranglers today, Calgary's American League affiliate that all. Also plays here in the city, which I think is a big part of it. Uh, he's going to practice the team for a little bit, and then they're going to go from there. Uh, not necessarily expecting him to play right away in any American League games, but he's going to get some practices in, see how he feels, and they've kind of put together a return to play um, game plan, return to play blueprint that is uh, fluid for sure. But we'll see. I, I, I guess what I would say is. You know the the feel has been since the beginning of the beginning of December, and and certainly over the last couple of weeks that you know good feeling that he's got an opportunity to return to NHL action this year. The door has at no point been closed, and it just feels closer, and it's felt closer to him actually being able to get back on the ice doing team things for a while. So, yeah, feeling still good that there's a decent chance he returns to NHL action this year. But team doesn't want to push it, right? They want to be really yeah. – uh, they just want to take it slow and kind of have this go forward in a no-pressure environment. But definitely uh, this is a, a big, big step for Oliver and, and just awesome to see that he's ready to take this next big, big step. So is that time frame something that us fans know of, or is it just something that we're going to have to wait and look out for in the coming weeks and months? Yeah, I don't think they have necessarily a, a set time yeah. frame, right? Like, I think I think they, they basically he's got about a week under the CBA to be with the Wranglers on a conditioning stint, uh, and then they'll have to reevaluate because he's on LTIR. 
Um, so the, the, he'll have about a week with the Wranglers. Maybe he plays. I, I wouldn't necessarily uh, say that's an expectation that he's going to play, but maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, and and then reevaluate from there. But I, I, I think you take a look at it. The Flames have got you know forty plus games to go this season. Forty. They got a little bit more than half their season to go. Um, I, I, I think that you've got that time frame is sometime between now and, and mid-April. Mm-hmm. They, they'd like to see if they could figure out a way that he gets back in. But in terms of like a by date X and date Y, they want this and that. No, it's, it's still really low pressure because it's it's taken a long time for Oliver to get to this point. So they just want to they just want to let it continue to develop at a more organic and a more natural pace. You know, so I, I don't think that even they have a set time frame on it. They've got some things that they uh, that they've worked with some of the different professionals and, and working with Oliver. They've got some things that they want to do along the road, but not necessarily by any specific date yeah sportsnet 960 the fan pat steinberg here on the western pizza hotline and uh jonathan huberto the monkey is off his back nice way to kick off 2024 and hopefully flames fans can see more of that going forward here pat yeah they and i mean if the flames are going to want to get to where they want to go this year and and we know there's a lot of things hanging over this group in terms of their future and uh, future of some key players on the roster, which will obviously also affect whether or not they're a playoff team. But whether they trade a bunch of players away or don't, I, I, they're, they're just not going to be the team they want to be if Jonathan Huberto is is scoring at a really, really stale pace. And, and so to see him uh, snap a pointless streak on New Year's Eve of 12 games was huge, had an assist on a big goal for the Flames, and then to see him score the next game and to score a pretty one, an important one, it ended up being the game winner. Like th- These are good things. And I think right now what you're looking for with Jonathan is, is baby steps because – it's been it's it's been a nightmare since he joined the team. Last year was the biggest season over season point drop in NHL history. He dropped sixty points from one season to the next and, and so okay, that's that's a that's a tough way to start your time in Calgary. And then it gets even worse this year in year one of his uh, eight-year, $10.5 million annual dollar contract. So it, it, it's baby steps. You're looking for things to, you know, get better here and there. And you're looking to see if maybe by the end of this month, he's producing a little bit closer to what you'd expect him to produce and things like that. So to see him score in consecutive games is good. I don't think anybody's, you know, planning any parades and, and you're not celebrating a guy that has really struggled to, uh, has really struggled to score at his price point. Like you're not, you, you need more from him, but at the very least it's a positive. And he's been playing a more dangerous brand of hockey as well. He's been a little bit more of an impactful player the last couple of weeks. So yeah, you're looking for small steps and definitely the last couple of games have been small steps for Jonathan, small positive steps for Jonathan. Yeah. And it just hasn't been Jonathan Huberto either. I mean, the whole flames, offense have been kind of struggling this season. I think they're under three goals per game right now, and you got to think that they will have to put the puck in the back of the net tonight because they're going up against the Nashville Predators team that, you know, is no stranger to doing just that. Yeah, well, I mean, this is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough test, first of all. Nashville's been playing some really good hockey. You've got uh, one of the top goaltenders on the planet, and UC Soros on the other side, and a Preds team 
that is holding down the first of the two wildcard spots in the Western Conference. So, again, if the Flames are going to have any chance of, of being a playoff team, like they're not going to get in. They are, realistically, they're not going to be a Pacific Division playoff team. Like Vancouver, Vegas, and Los Angeles seem like they've got those spots pretty much on lock. So if you're the Flames, you're looking at a wildcard spot. So they beat Minnesota, who's in the fight with them on Tuesday. Tonight they've got a team that's directly in a playoff spot to try to chase in Nashville. And so these are the games that you absolutely have to win. It's so strange, Sean, because, you know, in this market, there's, you know, you take a look at the standings and you, you hype up games, and you get ready for games, and you talk about where they might be in the standings, so on and so forth. But there's this very strange cloud hanging over okay, yeah, but they're probably going to trade Lindholm and they're probably going to trade Hannafin and they're probably going to trade Tanev and they're probably going to trade a couple of other guys too. And so, you know, that that remains hanging over the team. So it, it, it kind of, it, you always have a caveat with every conversation you have. But right now inside that locker room, that coaching staff, that group of players, they're trying not to think about that. They're trying not to worry about that. The only thing they're trying to figure out right now is how to ice the best possible lineup and get as many wins as possible. So they're gonna, this team has, since, I mean, you take a look at the last two summers, Johnny Gaudreau, Matthew Kachuk one summer, and then the next summer, it's their leading scorer the, the following year in Tyler Toffoli. They've all left the team. One's been, uh, two have been traded, one left in free agency. It's like, goodness gracious, that, that's, that's a big-time hit to your offense. You know, your three leading scorers, your two leading scorers one year, and the following year, your leading scorer from that year, all gone from the team. So that's definitely taking a toll on this team's offense, and they don't really have, with, with Huberto not being that guy right now, they don't really have that guy who is their primary offensive guy. Coleman's having a great year, and Mangiapane's playing better, and you're seeing great stuff from Kadri the last couple of months, but they don't have the guy that you just know is going to go out there and most nights be your offensive leader. Yeah, Pat Steinberg, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Last one for you here, Pat. Kind of led me right into my next point. I wanted to ask you about those unrestricted free agents. What's that vibe, do you think, like for the fan base? Lindholm, Hannafin out there. You know, is it kind of unsettling? Because these fans, they kind of know that more than likely these guys are going to be dealt at least a couple of them, if not one, you know. So what's that like for this team who is trying to make the playoffs, but yet you have this on the side kind of poking you in the ribs, if you will? Well, there's a um, there's a real appetite, and I, I would not say this is universal, but there's a very vocal appetite for change in this market right now. There's a very vocal um, group of fans, and I think it's you know I think it makes up also a sizable portion. It's not just how vocal they are. I also think there's a large number of fans who want to see this team do something different and go in a different direction, and and that's something that you know they, they haven't done in quite some time. You know, look to the future as opposed to only focusing on right now. Look to the future as opposed to doing everything at all costs to get into the playoffs and try to win in the moment. And so there definitely is a large faction of fans who look at this situation now between now and the trade deadline and look at it as a, as an opportunity and look at it with excitement. Like, Hey, the, the, Craig Conroy, the new general manager, has an opportunity to really reshape this team and an opportunity that a lot of, you know, new general managers, first-time general managers don't get. Like, you know, he, he was put in a tough spot in a lot of ways with all these UFAs, and, and Brad Living left him with a bit of a mess in a lot of ways. 
But at the same time, it also presents him with an opportunity to really put a stamp on the franchise right away. And so he's been patient. He's made a couple of moves. He's moved Zadorov. He's moved to Foley. But, you know, these, these are the, and especially Hannafin and Lindholm, with the roles they play, with how coveted they are and will continue to be around the league and with their ages, uh, he's got a really big opportunity to, you know, kickstart a new direction, but maybe make it a new direction that doesn't have to be one that, that, takes five to seven years to realize maybe it can happen a little bit quicker with some of the assets and some of the return that you could get for these guys so i think the feel is it's, it's kind of just right now sean it's like you're just waiting for a shoe to drop you know you've got these games to play and right. uh inside that locker room they're living in the little picture but uh everybody on the outside seems to be just as fascinated with the big picture and when that's going to start to get filled in so it just kind of feels like there's another shoe to drop. We need multiple shoes to drop, and it just kind of feels like every day you're waiting for when that's going to be. So it's it's every conversation we have every day on on our show, Flames Talk, or other shows. It's all kind of framed with that knowledge that at some point these decisions are going to start to get made. Yeah, we know one thing: the puck will drop in Nashville, Tennessee tonight. The Calgary Flames taking on the Nashville Predators, and we have a whole lot of Calgary Flames fans here in Saskatchewan who will be watching. That's a 7 p.m. puck drop, Saskatchewan time. Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet, the Fan 960. Thank you for joining us today. Awesome to talk to you, Sean. Be well, man. Sean Kleisinger and Blaine Wyland sitting in for Michael. Ball. That is uh, Pat Steinberg on the Western Pizza Hotline as we get set for that big.